everyone. Welcome to the B-Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. Today I am joined by Justin Ayat. Engage. <laughs> uh, Boris. What's up? And Milos. Make it so. And guys, we're finally here. Uh, I know we, we said we were going to do this a while ago, but schedules and life and stuff kept us from getting here until now. We are here to review Season 3 of Star Trek Picard. Uh, so I'm just going to say in general terms before we get into the specific, we'll go around the room for our general thoughts before we get into plot and specifics and stuff. I'm going to start by saying, you know, I was cautiously optimistic when they announced in the middle of, of the season that shall not be referenced, um, that, that season three was going to be sort of a reunion tour. I was cautiously optimistic about how that would go. Um, Suffice to say that it has saved this show for me entirely. Um, absolutely loved it. Huh? I said just in time for it to end. Yeah, I had some gripes, but mo- mostly those were overwhelmed by uh, how much I loved the stuff that was good. And I just sort of put aside the gripes and went, you know what? This is on balance good enough where I don't really care about those things. Um, Justin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, if you are a listener of the uh, Away Missions podcast, you do understand that I loathe um, seasons, at least season two, most of season one of Star Trek Picard. Uh, <laughs> you heard my rant at the end of season two. Uh, <laughs> this may be the single greatest thing I've seen since first contact in terms of. Star Trek. Um, wow, that is high praise. I, I love this. I uh, like. I told the guys I watched it weekly. Then when it was done, while we were in our little break about doing this, I binged it all the way through again. I love it. I kind of wanted to binge it again, but I had all the stuff I needed to watch for things. Um, so, but yeah, this was fantastic. I thought the cast was great. I love how they aged them in terms of storyline. Um, I loved the additional characters, um, you know, especially Shaw. You know, at first I didn't really like him, but then he grew on me. Um, I liked the the plot overall. I did kind of, towards the end, I did kind of get a little weary, but they did end up saving it. Um, the fan service was good. Um, it wasn't overbearing. Um, I think uh, Terry, I'm going to watch his last name, uh, Malas. Metallus. Metallus, thank you. Um, I knew it was an M. Um, I think he should run everything Star Trek forever, uh, but that's not going to happen. Neither in Star Trek Legacy, which is never going to happen. But I have Star Trek Picard Season 3, and I will try to treasure that forever. Nice. Boris. And Cinema uh- Um, I I was a little bit, uh, I think it was a little bit underwhelming, the season three, but uh, overall, I really liked it. It had some great stuff, had some uh, May stuff, and overall, it was a good Star Trek. Uh, Finally, it took him three seasons to figure it out, but it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Milos. Forever since, but I actually enjoyed season one of Picard. 
that's okay. never gonna change. The season that shall not be named uh, shall not be named for a reason because that was absolutely a crapshoot. But what season three has done is what season what Picard was supposed to be and should have been from the beginning. The first two seasons, I don't like. It's I think when we talk about this show in later years, I think it, we're always gonna be referencing season three, just because this is the best of. Star Trek that I have seen for a while. It was tricky where it needed to be. It pulled up on all the mulberries it should have, and while still sticking to the story they were telling, there was a plan, there was a progress, there was a plot progression, there was character development, and that's all the stuff that was missing the first two seasons, and they more than made up for it. Season three, yeah. El Picard is always going to be like, this is Picard. First two seasons are kind of irrelevant to the whole thing. Season three is what the show should have been and forever will be, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Okay. So with that, I do have some gripes and we'll get into those. I'm sure we all have some and we'll get into those. Um, I'm going to try, and again, this is a, you know, we don't do this kind of thing this way very often. We usually do uh, weekly stuff on stuff like this. And just for our audience, I mean, I don't know that we ever actually talked about this on air. We did not do weeklies for this because I refused to, because I did not want to. I know I can get, you know, sometimes when we do the weekly stuff, I know I can get very nitpicky about things just to have something to fill a weekly show with. Right. And I did not want to do that with this. I wanted to just be able to absorb this. And, you know, I was so... I was so looking forward to this. I did not want to do like the whole like, well, I like this, but in episode one, this happens and I don't get it and whatever. I wanted to be able to just watch the whole thing and just kind of absorb it. And then now we're here. So that is what that is partly why it took us this long to get here, because after the the finale week, it just sort of ended. And then we had a bunch of other stuff going on. We couldn't get to it before today. So I'm going to try to do the plot. It's going to be extraordinarily high level, and I may miss some shit because it's been a good solid month since I've even thought about this show, really. It's been a um, solid month since the show ended, and about almost four months since it started, so... Yeah. I mean, I remember the first couple pretty well, because I did watch the first couple more than once. But as it yeah. goes on, I tend to get a little well, fuzzy. If, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Justin has a... Wikipedia page open so you can fill in some blanks and uh, I'm pretty sure we're all going to be uh, chiming in from time to time as we oh, remember yeah. stuff. So, yep. Yes, I, uh, I do have the Wikipedia page open and if you have uh, anything else that needs to fill in the blanks, I can do that. Sure. Uh, so we start with um, Dr. Beverly, Beverly Crusher on a ship in the middle of nowhere um, and she is being uh, she and the other crew member, who we don't really see yet, um, are being chased by like space pirates or whatever. So there's, you know, a couple of them being aboard. There's a shootout on the ship. She she takes some people out in a very, in a way that you wouldn't expect this character to do. Um, and uh, so then, you know, the she sends out. She gets shot by one of those people, and so she's injured, and she sends out a a message to Admiral Picard. Uh, 
and we don't really see what that message is. We just see her doing it. And then we cut to the vineyard where it seems like he's about to go leave the vineyard and go. I think Laris was going on some like diplomatic mission. He was going to tag along or something like a diplomatic security thing. And then uh, I did. I feel bad for the actress that played Laris. Like, why is she even here? Like, this was like the one scene she was in, and then she's gone for the rest of the I show. Mean, I, like I think that was kind of their way of. You know, it was quite their possibly way of their way of trying to, I don't know, either connect uh, the first two seasons to the show or kind of show that she still matters. Yeah, but she doesn't. Just... Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. So then he gets this message from, from Crusher and says, oh, crap, I have to go help her. But um, but then he decides he can't do it by himself, so he contacts Will Riker, uh, played by Jonathan Frakes. And let me just say, mm-hmm. you know, before, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about some of the individual performances at different times, but for me, Frakes stole this fucking show. Oh, like, yeah. he was absolutely every- Every single scene he was in, like, you could tell two things. You could tell he was having a blast just playing this character again, like, in a real way. I mean, I know he was in the the one episode of season one where he was also very good. But, like, you could tell he was enjoying the idea of, like, playing this character again in a real story, right? And then also, like, he was looked like he was just having a blast. And, oh, I mean, yeah. I think they all... They all kind of were, but he especially was like, every time he showed up, I was like, yes, more Riker. And I've literally, you know, as much as I liked him on TNG and in those movies and whatever, that's the first time I'd ever thought that in my entire life. Um, So, you know, I have to credit him for everything he did (laughs) with this show because he's just fucking great. Um, So then they decide, you know, they they figure out kind of where in space the ship she's in is and they determine that they have to go and get there uh the one thing in her message is that she says no starfleet right she expressly says do not involve starfleet which is where i kind of thought this didn't make any sense where like she says not to involve starfleet and what's the first thing Riker does he says well we're gonna go we're gonna go i can use my authority as like the former captain of the Titan to get the new Titan with its new captain and stuff to bring us to this point. And we'll just kind of have to lie about what we're doing there. So like it did sort of hang me up that like she says no Starfleet. And the first thing he does is go essentially Han Solo, a Starfleet ship to death. Um, But we'll put that aside because it's not a huge gripe or anything, but uh so they go and meet up with the the Titan, which we've never seen before. Like, obviously, even though uh, Riker was the captain of the Titan at the end of Nemesis, we never saw the ship before. So then we finally see the Titan. It's actually the Titan A. And I don't think they understand. Again, I don't think they understand how the lettering works because they basically say it's a refit version of the original Titan, but they put an A on it. And like... To me, by the old rules, that would mean the original Titan would have had to have been blown up, and then and then they built a new one. Um, but clearly, that's not what they did here. Um, 
so they get there under the the guise that it's going to be some sort of like uh uh inspection crews before so there's this big federation event called frontier day that's going to be happening in the near future and so he wants Riker tries to use the argument that they should you know say they're doing an inspection of this ship before frontier day where the entire federation fleet is going to be in one place which to me makes no sense at all but okay um so then they go and they they want to meet with the captain and you find out that seven of nine is the first officer on this ship. She has officially joined Starfleet after the events of season two, which I did think made a lot of sense. I mean, I figured they would at least give that a shot of her being in Starfleet. Very cool. Um, nice to see her again. If she's one of the few things from the previous seasons that survives, I'm okay with that. Um, while this is going on, you also have, uh, Intercuts with Raffi, played by Michelle Hurd again, uh, where she is doing some sort of thing for Starfleet Intelligence. You kind of get generalities. She's running around on this planet called Metallus Prime, which I'm sure was a shout out to the showrunner, um, where she's trying to get information about something called the Red Lady, which we don't really know what that is at first. And they make it look like she's on drugs again and kind of strung out and like she says she was thrown out of Starfleet and stuff. But you find out that that was that's just a cover for what she's doing intelligence wise. And I have to say the other thing this season did is save that character for me because Metallus oh, yeah. does, does not write her as a crazy bitch like the other like the other two seasons made her out to be. And she's actually written as a competent intelligence operative, uh, which, you know, she always was basically. Yep. (laughs) Which the prior two seasons have never done. Uh, Here's the one hang up that I had though. Like you would think that. So there, the one hang up with her, I had was not her fault. It was kind of how she's treated by the other characters. Because there's a bit in, I believe, the first episode or two where she goes and uh, her ex-husband just conveniently happens to be on this planet. And, you know, um, she goes to him and says she determines that she needs to. um, Oh, no, that's a little bit later, but we'll mention this now. Um, At a certain point in the show, she's looking for a Ferengi because um, she (laughs) she figures out what the Red Lady is. It's actually this... It's a reference to a Starfleet, a statue in front of a Starfleet building of Rachel Garrett from yesterday's Enterprise. And as she figures that out, she uses that to determine that there's going to be some kind of attack in that space. And uh, basically, somebody opens a portal over under the building. The building drops through the portal, and then they open another portal, and it drops the debris of the building onto the surrounding city. So it's like this really weird terrorist attack thing. No, actually, um, the building falls in on itself because they open it under the building, but they also open it over the building. Oh, because I thought they opened it under the building, then they open no, it. No, they the, open it under the building. The building falls through, and then it opens over the place where the building was. But you still have oh, to okay. deal with all the debris because that's basically, I mean, dropping a building like that, that there's a shock wave that goes through. Yeah, it basically causes it to. It basically causes it to implode, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So at one point, she's looking for a Ferengi that she believes had something that brokered this, or 
you know, because it's it's stolen Federation tech, basically this portal thing. Um, so she's looking for a Ferengi that sort of brokered this deal, and she goes to her ex husband for to try to set up a meet with this guy, and he says like, "Oh no, you're still crazy. This is a bunch of bullshit." And I'm just thinking to myself like. This woman has been very publicly involved in efforts to save the universe like twice. And literally, if you go back and look at everything she's ever suggested, as far as, you know, if my, my intelligence skills tell me this is going on, literally everything she's ever suggested ended up being correct. And yeah. these characters still act like she's a psychopath. And it's like, I don't really get what any of this means anymore but i don't yeah because it really goes back to the whole she's an alcoholic and a drug user basically even yep. though you yeah you see her in uh in the days of seasons past you kind of see her be that person but he like you never it was always like you know she put out in the drink she stopped the drugs yeah yep. eventually she kind of always goes back to them but like when there's a mission involved she's usually on point Yep, but I will say my my gripes with her this time were not were not performance related. Um, and I I will I, say this. I mean, you mentioned uh, Freaks and how amazing his acts. I want to point out that Rafi was totally different. Uh, Michelle yeah. Bird, right? He was totally yep. different character in season three than she was. Like she was absolutely on point every time she was on screen. Oh yeah, she's great. Here's oh, she what I was noticed, amazing though. and maybe I'm wrong. And and you know, you a couple of you guys have watched this more than I more times than I have. the The thing I found weird about it was she's in the show again, and she's one of the she's the only brand new character created for the show that survives to season three. She never actually interacts with Picard at any point during the ten hours, ever. Cool. She never has a single line with Picard for the entire 10 hours. Really? That is weird. That, that, that must have escaped me. Yeah. I mean, she's there. She interacts with uh, a certain person who we'll get to in a minute. Um, yeah, but you have but, to understand, like, she does go, like, if you take the show and, like, kind of segment it into different plots, as we usually do, like, her plot and Picard's plot don't really intersect that much. And yeah. the other person who will be named shortly does show up in it. That all makes yep. sense. But like everything that she's been doing, as connected it it is to what Picard and his gang yep. are gonna be doing. Like at the same yep. time, it's a totally different plot. So I can understand why they would never actually interact. Yep. Well, even I though kind of would, it... even though you think like yeah, like you you kind of want them to interact, especially I just kind because of, of the prior relationship that they had. Yeah. I just kind of thought it was weird because they kind of established mm -hmm. in the first in the first two seasons that like of that new crew that he had in season one and two, she was the one that would always call him on his bullshit. And it, yeah, I figured, and at the same time, like she, that's the reason why she was his assistant for so long. Yep. And at was, some point, know. I figured that that dynamic between them was going to play into this season somewhere, but it never does. And she's fine, you know. She's great when she's there, so it's not like. I wasn't asking the question of like why is she even here if they're not going to do this because what oh, yeah. they had her what they had her do works really well so I wasn't arguing that um, mm -hmm. so Picard and Riker go 
to the Titan, and they have a meeting with uh, Captain Liam Shaw, played by Todd Stashwick. Uh, I gotta say, I had no clue who this guy was at first. Like, I'd never heard of this actor before. Um, apparently, this I is a guy. Who, some stuff. So, I've, to my knowledge, I've never seen him in anything. Um, and I guess this is a guy who's been involved in everything that Terry Metalis has ever done. Uh, he has a relationship with this guy. I did have a. I don't think we ever mentioned this because I went on that Star Trek cruise and we didn't really talk about it because it didn't especially go well. Uh, I did have an encounter with him very quickly on the boat. Uh, oh. I don't. I don't think I realized it was him until it was too late. Because I, we, wow. the day we were, the day we were getting off, because we decided to leave the cruise early, uh, yeah. the day we were getting. The day we were getting off, we were on the gangway getting off at the same time that a bunch of people were getting off the boat, and he walked by me with a USS Titan T-shirt on, uh -huh. and I didn't, and I didn't, and I didn't realize it was him because he just, he looks like a fairly average dude. Like I didn't realize it was him, and uh, wait, I wasn't that Captain Shaw? Yes. Yeah. And I, and oh, I, I thought we were talking about the Picard son. Okay. No, we're talking about we're talking about Shaw right now. And I oh, just okay. wanted to uh, just, just for our listeners, this is the part of the show where Boris slowly dozes off yep. and has no <laughs> idea what I, the hell we're talking about. And I just wanted to bring up that I did have an encounter with him on the cruise, even though the cruise was shitty. Um, so he walks by me, and I I didn't even realize it was him. And I liked the shirt, and I was like, "Nice shirt, man." And he turns around and he goes, and he goes, thank you. And I, and I, as he was going, as he walked up the gangway, I was like, fuck, that was Todd Stashwick. I wish I'd said something else. God damn it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah. actually, he was, uh, he played one of the main roles in the 12 Monkeys TV show. I had heard he was on that. I know Metallus was involved with that show. So That was a yeah. good show. I actually like that show. But he was so, honest. That's mainly where I know him from. So when he showed up here, I was like, "Oh, he's that guy." Okay. So here, here's here's where I'm here's where I sort of have a not a personal dichotomy. I pretty much like this character right away. Uh, but so they meet with this with Captain Shaw, who's in charge of the Titan. He took over from Riker, basically, and he's basically a completely by the book guy, but he does it in sort of an asshole-ish kind of <laughs> prickish way because that's just his way of being right and yeah. like i love i love the the dinner scene where picard and Riker go in there to have a dinner with him and he's already started eating and picard's yeah. like I, i'm sorry are we are we late or something did we get the wrong time and he goes oh no your reputations preceded you so much i felt i had to start without you yeah that was a funny that's scene, major man. disrespect i yeah. loved it and I was just like, dude, Starfleet doesn't do this. Like, give me more of this. Like, this guy is such a prick. Scene. This guy is such a prick. But, I mean, I I loved him right away, but for a different, for a different reason than a lot of people might. Like, I was, I kind of looked at him and went, you know what? He's an asshole, but everything he's, because his whole thing is like, they try to tell him, you know, we have to go to here. And it's it's X amount off of whatever the original course we gave you was, and he goes, "Why would I do that?" You know, as opposed to, I feel like most Starfleet commanding officers would at least hear them out. You know, 
And uh, he just very quickly goes, and I believe the exact line was, and why would we do that? And uh, it's like, it's so like that, a more refined version of Jellicoe. Essentially, yes, like. yes, he is a yep, he is a yep, version yep. of he is he is a version of Jellico that you're meant to like, um, yeah. and uh, and I did I did. Yeah, but see then he also goes up. into I think he immediately does reference uh, that he was there during the Battle of uh, Wolf. Oh, three, no, five, that, no, that takes that takes a while. You get you get that That's a couple of episodes in, and we'll get to that um, because he, he kind of is nice when he actually references why he hates Picard so much. Yep. So the thing that I saw a lot of people hanging up about, right? And the, and and I don't want to be a dick, but like I'm, I consider myself to be a a woke person, I guess. Like in the sense of like I get all that and I support it, but a lot of the a lot of the the like super woke stuff I saw was like people getting pissed at him because he referred to seven of nine by her human name. Right. And yeah. like, at first I was like, yeah, that's kind of dicky, but I kind of, I kind of fell into it as like, okay, well maybe for all we know, like Starfleet regulations require that you do that. And he, he's a completely by the book guy. So that's what he does. You know, so he tells. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, the completely woke mob is gonna find anything. Right, but you also find out later. You also kind of find out later why why he does this, but we'll get to that in a couple in a little bit. Um, so he refuses. He refuses to help them, and then they're like, "Oh, I don't know what." Uh, and they're walking down the hallway and, and Riker's like, okay, what do we do now? And Picard's like, well, short of mutiny, I don't know. Um, and he happens yeah. to be within, and he happens to be within earshot of Seven, and they didn't tell Seven any of this. They didn't tell Seven what they were really doing there. And she pulls him aside and is like, what the fuck are you two doing? Like, what is it that you're trying to get at here? And so... They end up telling her the, the thing about the message from Beverly and stuff. And he was like, I'm sorry, we didn't want to tell you because we didn't want to make you complicit in it. You know, we figured we could we could get to this on our own. We didn't want to drag you into the middle of it. Um, so she helps them steal a shuttle to get to because she also while she was asleep, she plots a course to get them to where they were trying to go around his orders. Um, you also find out that uh, one of Jordy's daughters is on the crew here. Um, she's mm -hmm. the pilot, um, and I just love the I love the interaction between Riker and her when he when he's like dragging out her old academy nickname and shit, and she's clearly like very embarrassed, but she's like, "I'm gonna go with this because like a high ranking captain is is outing me." <laughs> like, quite fun. Um, this is the one who's not uh, Lavar Burton's actual daughter. We'll get to her later. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so they steal a shuttle, Shaw is pissed, they get to where the Beverly ship was, they find her in, like, a cryo tank, because she has injuries and stuff, and then a big giant ship, kind of like the big Romulan thing from Nemesis, shows up, piloted by, uh, an alien named Vatic, played by Amanda Plummer, who, ugh, no, like, I like the character as an idea. The performance is just fucking whacked, and I don't like her. 
And I disagree. She was, she was I disagree. from the beginning. I disagree. I disagree. She was a great villain. She was a yeah. great villain. I have to disagree with that point. I I mean, I have to disagree. Sorry, guys. I disagree completely. You guys suck. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm just joking. Well, let, let me let me qualify it. I like. Oh, of course, of course, I liked, yeah. I liked what she did. Okay, like I liked the whole. Yeah, I liked the idea. How she did it. I liked the idea of the character. I just hated how she performed it. Like. Yeah. The yep. weird fucking, the weird fucking French accent that she had for no reason. The fact that she couldn't, for some reason, she couldn't pr pronounce D's at all. Like every time she said Picard's name, it was like Picard. <laughs> and I was like, just stop, stop it. I get it. You're like, you're trying to do this over. The, you're trying to do this like over the top Joker thing. I get it. It's fine, great, but like you're just. She was hamming it up so bad that I was just yeah. like, "What are we doing here?" And like, what I get she was what doing I, was great. How she was doing it was not. Yeah, like, like the I, I love itself. What, I think it's a great idea of a villain. I think that really, like, the writing on it is great. Oh her yeah, I just hated her. Not. I just hated her performance. She oh, drove yeah, me nuts. Yeah, like, uh, you know, you know, I. I didn't even have a I didn't have a problem with her performance, uh, but uh, I did do think mm. that the problem with her performance uh, was a part of a, another issue that we didn't know who she was supposed to be until the very end. Yeah, I and I do want to shout out. I think that's the main problem. I think that's the main problem. I do want to shout out. I wasn't I mean, actually just stop you from sorry for interrupting you for there for a second, but I actually didn't. The fact that we didn't know who or what's supposed to be as a villain, like that was just part of the mystery that actually played into the whole show. Mm. Where I was like, okay, that I can actually work with because like if she just shows up and be like, I'm a changeling with whatever and like just goes up, then you're going to be like, mm, well, they could have done the villain differently. But this way, yeah. it's like the way they pulled it off and kept it a mystery of who she actually is. I like that part. Yeah, I, I no, did, I, did, I did like her acting in it. I, I thought it was like a little weird. At first, but yep. um, after, as, as the season goes on, you kind of see that she's more of a uh, like a uh, she's more of a tool in the tool chest as opposed to the actual villain. Which you know, I, I don't know. I think I think it just kind of fed into what she was doing, and, and she was trying, maybe trying a little too hard to be Shakespearean as her father was, but she does that kind of stuff because she does like more you know, plays and things like that. So, and I did, I did appreciate the performance more as it went on. But early on, she was just like, "Oh my God, you're hitting me with a hammer here!" Just, oh no. Yeah, um, you see, I, I, my first, my first impression was, man, this woman is evil, and she's gonna, you know, she's gonna, she's gonna destroy some shit, you know. Yep. And I will say, we should, and Justin, you kind of mentioned it already. We should shout out for those who don't know, she is the daughter of Christopher Plummer, who played General Chang in uh, Star Trek VI, who is, to me, one of the greatest Trek villains outside of Khan. Um, so, yeah. So, um, you find out that the other crew member on Beverly's ship is a, a young man, he's probably in his early 20s, uh, or supposed to be, uh, played by, named Jack Crusher, played by Ed Spilliers, um, who I guess has been on Downton Abbey. Uh, I'd never seen him. Uh, I have never seen him before. Seen him. There, was, there was something he was in that I was not aware he was in that I know I've seen. Uh, he was in a season of Outlander, which I watched with my wife. 
Um, so I have seen him before. I didn't know it at the time. Um, and I actually think he does a really good job here in general. Uh, my one hang up, and this is just kind of a casting thing, like, and I, I, I don't think they needed to like not cast this guy. Cause I think he's really good, but don't tell me he's like 22 years old when the actor is 35. Just yeah. don't. Um, and I think he's great. Like, I don't want to say that. Like, it kind of gave me, like, the the Andrew Garfield playing Peter Parker in high school vibe. Um, which, you know, we've talked about how I didn't think that really worked either. But, um, so, yeah, so he's... Yeah, I mean, the idea was to actually fit the timeline, which is actually great. Because they actually thought of fitting in the timeline. Yep. But yeah, he's definitely way too old to be playing a 22-year-old. Yes. So, yeah, so you find out that he is Beverly's son, and um, it's sort of... And this is this is actually the moment where I loved Riker. This was probably my favorite Riker moment of the entire thing. Like, he sees the kid, you know, and it's implied that at some point after Nemesis... Picard and, and Crusher had a relationship of some kind, and Riker basically comes out and says, like, you know, they're in a turbo lift or something after they meet the kid at first, after because they get pulled off the they get pulled off the the dying medical ship that she's on, and they go over to the Titan at one point after uh, Vadic says she wants the kid for some reason that we don't know, um, and then. Shaw at first is like, no, we're not going to involve ourselves because it's outside of Federation territory. And then um, Seven gives him this argument of like, well, you can be the dick that let these two Starfleet legends die. And then you have to explain why it is you did that. Or you can break the rules a little bit and be the hero that saves them. And so he decides to do that. Um, but I love the the scene between Riker and Picard, like in a hallway or in a turbo lift or something, where he's like, John Luke, tell me you don't how can you not see that this is I mean he doesn't say it outrightly, but I kind of read it as like just, how just can you, almost as close as yep. he can what, get how without can you not, How can you not see that this is your fucking kid? Like how? And he's just like, Well, no, I I don't know. And, and it's just like and Riker just said like, something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and here, here's what I okay. So you find you do find out confirmation from Beverly once she's a hundred percent that it is his son, right? Here was my first major hangup. Okay, why does she cut them off? Like the reasoning for why she cuts them off is, and I hate you. I, I hate using this word, but there are times where it's the only word I can think of that even comes close to to uh, capturing the degree of stupidity involved in something. But her reasoning for why she doesn't tell him she has a kid and she cuts off the entire Enterprise crew and runs away is frankly retarded. Because Agreed. She goes like, Agreed. Agreed. Because she, go, she goes like, well, um, we were going to have a kid and we weren't, and we were kind of together, but not really. And like, it was too dangerous to be around you because, you know, you're a constant target and whatever, and it's like, but you're on the fucking Federation flagship surrounded by all these awesome fucking people. Like, 
who would go to the wall to protect you and your kid any number of a thousand times, and your your reaction is like, I'm just going to run away and not say anything to anybody for 20 fucking years. Yeah, she's and like, like a little child, man. Yeah. I mean... And then, and then, like, I guess my other thing is, like, they try, they try to basically imply that, like, Picard was a bad father. And it's like, how the fuck did he even know that? Like, he has no clue he has a fucking kid because she was a twat. Like, I don't get it. Like, and I could just never look at it. Actually, this is the one case where I thought every use of all the TNG characters was great, except for her, because mm-hmm. that Agreed. that decision oh. damaged damaged that character to me so much that I could not look at her again and be like, well, you're, you know, I, I stopped liking her at that point. Because I was like, why? It felt like a decision made because the writers had to justify why he wouldn't know he had a 22-year-old son. And it was like, I don't don't get it. I kind of agree with the idea of her. Just because, like, we also don't really know what happened after Nemesis and stuff like that, but her explanation and everything, I love that scene between the two of them. Um, I mean, maybe maybe this should have been done, that scene should have been done a little more with Patrick Stewart was a little more, but uh, but I but I think that scene was great, and I and I understand her like I understand what she says about it. It's not necessarily that you agree about it, but it's that you know you can understand her worries about it because she already lost Will, um, uh, um, uh, husband and her first kid. Yeah, I almost said Will Wheaton. What's her? Wesley. Um, yeah, you know what I mean, Wesley. Yes. Yeah. So I, I see lose she... him. He can come back home whenever he wants. The whole thing he just they doesn't did want with to. The... Yeah, the whole thing they did with travelers having to do the Jedi thing and cut off all uh, you know connection to their lives. To me, that was just a, this another stupid thing that they did with this show. Uh, the same thing they did with the why Beverly. You know, the same thing is so fucking stupid. They never talked about that in the original in the the TNG series, you know? Well, I was, I know he, I know Will Wheaton had said when he did the, the cameo thing at the end of season two that he wasn't in season three. I thought he was lying. I expected him to show up again. Oh, I did Somehow, you know, I, well, I thought at the end there would be something where like he would, you get to see him with, with Beverly again and he'd meet the other kid. You know, like, I thought they were at least going to do that, whether he would, you know, it would be another thing where he would show up and do something that wasn't plot relevant, but I definitely thought they were going to do it. Um, Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I just didn't really, like, Justin, I see your point about why, why that explanation works for you. I just felt like with the, maybe it wasn't even that that explanation doesn't work. I just felt like with the relationship they'd established these two characters to have through seven years of that TV show. I had a hard time believing that she would just absolutely cut him off like that. Or at least like, at least like, cause he even says like, why during that, that conversation that you were talking about, I think she even says like, you wouldn't have left Starfleet if I asked you. And he says, well, if you, if I knew I had a kid, I probably would have, but you never asked me. So like, maybe if you do it in such a way where like, he knows he has a kid, but, you know, he has to make some decision where he can't do what she 
what she suggests. Like it just makes, you know, I feel like there's a better I, way to. Yeah, go I, mean, I, I see what you're talking about, but I, I think the, I think the point is, is that you can, you can see her point of view and disagree with it. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't fault the writers for making that explanation just because Picard seasons one and two kind of wrote them into a corner. Because how are you supposed to explain having a kid when he was never mentioned in the other two? You know what I mean? And then if you say she did, now now look at it this way. If you say she did tell him that she had a kid and he never mentioned him at all in seasons one and two and talks about not being a father at one point, um, that's kind of a dickhead move on Picard. It kind of makes him seem like an asshole. Yeah, I guess they kind of had. I guess they kind of had to pick that if they're going to use a plot like that. They had to pick it up from where the previous two seasons had left it. So yeah, I guess with, with that in mind, it does kind of make sense. It was. It so, was kind of a. This season was kind of a soft reboot, but they still had to kind of include the other stuff from the previous seasons, just because they didn't probably wanted to make it seem like it was a complete upheaval <laughs> from what came before. Because I mean, as we'll see later on, there's some other stuff that you know kind of got left behind. Um, but yeah. you know, I uh, couldn't leave everything. Uh, Girardi, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I would have I, I still wanted to see uh, Elnor and Worf somewhere. I'm so bummed they didn't do that. Um, so, so we get to, uh, so they, it might they, have been better having Elnor and Worf together as opposed to Rafi, maybe, but even then, like, maybe even the three of them, I don't know. Yep. Well, now that they're not going to do the Section 31 show anymore, and now it's just going to be a movie, I want a show with Rafi and Worf just doing spy shit. I, I really mean, do. Like, I'm, I'm only yeah. sorry we didn't get any more Rios. Like that guy, man. Yeah. Yeah, Rios that still bums man. me out. That still bums me out. Um, so, so they rescue the kid and, and Beverly, and uh, there's a whole thing where they're they're trapped in this nebula and Vatic has a ship born version of the portal thing where they're trying to get out of the nebula, but she keeps putting portals in front of them and the, the giant Federation ships can't move fast enough to avoid it. So they just keep, they just keep flying into this nebula thing. And uh, she keeps picking her whole thing is like, she's a scavenger. She'll use this awesome ship. She has to like pick other ships apart and then just, just like, take whatever's left and she wants the kid for some reason that we don't know and while that's going on you have the parallel thing of Raffi doing her thing where she's trying to meet up with this Ferengi guy and uh, I get why they didn't do this because it would have made this character irredeemable but here's where I'm going to mention my other hang up before we get heavier into the plot so this plot steals a lot of stuff from Deep Space Nine Right, because mm-hmm. there, there's founder involvement. There's mm-hmm. reference to the, there's reference to the Dominion War and like a like a break off break off number of changelings that decided like fuck no, we're not going to keep to this peace treaty thing. We're still going to do whatever, and um, they're willing to steal plot shit from Deep Space Nine and everything, which I completely I appreciate because I love that show. Like I love the fact that you now kind of get to see what the TNG crew's reaction to a lot of that stuff is. But for all the fucking cameo fest that this show was, you couldn't have somebody from Deep Space Nine show up. You really couldn't. Like, part of me wanted... 
and it would have been bad because I, 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 and I know why they didn't do this, but because you would have made this character completely irredeemable by doing this. But why wasn't Sneed Quark? Like, um, I, I, I don't know like that. No, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, don't know. I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't do Quark like that. But here's the thing. Yeah, because uh, it would have. It would have made. I kind of. I kind of agree with the fact that you could have brought somebody from DS9 over. Looking at Uplawas, looking at like everything that's going on, it's like, and referencing stuff from DS9, but not bringing anybody from DS9 over. Like, I know you're never gonna get Cisco. That's no. never gonna happen. But that no. show wasn't only Cisco. There's plenty of people. From DS9, who you could have brought over, like, at least for a couple like, of episodes, were... at least in some capacity. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it, though, because, I mean, think about it. Are you going to get Dax? I don't know. I mean, you could have, I think the only ones, really, besides, like, technically, Worf was on D-Space Sonic. I know he's also TNG. Um, yep. But the only ones I think you technically could have gotten on here were um, were O'Brien and Bashir. I think those are the only ones that would have made sense because Odo yeah. unfortunately passed away. So right. I think if those he were the only ones that would have made sense. If he were alive, you know they would have tried to find a way to get him in here. I mean he's I mean, maybe he's, you bring in maybe you bring in Kira. Uh, um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean but then then you do you replace Ro with Kara and you don't get that awesome scene with Ro. I don't know. No, that that. Has no, but to here's the thing: you don't have to. You don't have to replace anybody. With the writing they have done on the yeah. season three, I can easily see them writing in a DS9 character. Yeah, like Bashir, like John mentioned before, Bashir would make more make most sense. Yeah. yeah, but I do think some of I do think I mean, some of it was Bashir showed up. Like you'd lose your shit. I do think some of it was budgetary too, though, because. <laughs> Like, I read stuff, and we'll, we'll get into... We should just say, like, Data comes back, you know, in a way, which we'll get into. And there was talk about... Metallus had said that he'd written a scene for Soji to come back and meet him, but they didn't do it because they couldn't... They couldn't with everything they were spending on actors for this, they could not afford to bring Sabriones back. Um, Honestly, so, bringing Soji into this would just be a mess. No, I, I think it would have been... I think it would have been like a five-minute thing at the end where she meets him, and then you know, I don't think it was part of the plot or anything. It oh, probably would have been the wrap. Yeah, maybe I could live it, but I'm just saying. Yeah. That, you know. but, but I'm saying so, with everything you were spending. Honestly, I don't know what the budget of the show was, but I'm I'm pretty sure you could have written in a DS9 character. Yes, I think you could have too. Um, and especially, I get you brought everybody back, but at the same time, it's like. Yeah, I I don't see it. I mean, that's me as a fan looking at it. But, but if you think as group and be like, hey, listen, uh, if you guys cut back like five percent on your salaries, I can bring a Bashir back or something. I'm pretty sure that would yeah. have been like, yeah, sure. Yeah, you know. Uh, I, so I'm, I'm thinking that like, because the show is great, and they like bring back all the characters and still give them a story. To actually make everything work, do it on the level that they do, they could have done that, like with one more character. Okay. Uh, so while all that stuff's going on in the nebula, uh, Raffi meets with this Ferengi that brokered this deal for the, the portal weapon. 
in order to prove that she's legitimate, not like a cop, she has to do drugs again. So then the guy, the Ferengi figures out that she's full of shit, goes to kill her, and then Worf shows up to save her ass. Because you find I, out... I would just know. like to point out this was another uh, a, a show in 12 Monkey Reference, but the guy who played the Ferengi, he was also on the 12 uh, Monkey Show. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So, I was like, oh, look at him. I was like, what, oh, he's the bad guy. What I forgot to mention yeah. was that... Uh, before this point, Raffi has a handler that she's talking to through like a computer, and um, and the the everything she asks, like the handler is very much just like, no, fuck you, no, fuck you, no, fuck you, yeah. um, and uh, and I actually, <laughs> I don't know if anybody else caught this, but there's one line that the that the handler gives her where it says, and we find out that this is Worf at the time. You know, Worf is actually her handler. There's one line that he gives her where he says, "You are a warrior. Figure it out." And at that yep. point, I was like, "Oh, her handler is going to be fucking Worf. That's how he's getting in here." Um, <laughs> so then he shows up and saves her ass. And I gotta say, Michael Dorn was great. I like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, he was amazing. I think all these people knew what you know, and we we didn't really talk about this at the beginning, but. Terry Metalis's whole go- goal with this season was to give the TNG characters a real send-off because he thought Nemesis was shit, right? So yeah. the whole thing was to the whole thing was to give them a real final story. And I think a lot of these actors are still very attached to these roles, and they knew what kind of an opportunity this was to do. Oh yeah, and I think Dorn, in, Dorn in particular, especially because he's been lobbying for a fucking Captain Warp show for years. Like, I think he knew exactly what this what kind of opportunity, yeah. what kind of opportunity this was to to show that this character could still work, and he is fucking great. In this show, mm-hmm. like, oh, and yeah. the whole thing that the whole thing they decided to do with him is that he's in the intervening years, he's kind of become a pacifist and he doesn't want to be violent anymore. And like, he will, like, he goes through and takes a bunch of Ferengi heads off to save Raffi and stuff. But like, he has so many great one liners, and he's because he's just like, he even says he's like, he's a Klingon who's working on himself now, and like. Where that could have, where, where in the hands of any other actor playing any other character, that would have been cheesy as fuck. But he just plays it in such a way where it's like, I didn't even realize I wanted to see this character like this, you know? Um, and how crazy so they, it is for them to have Worf as a fucking pacifist. But it worked though. No, no, it works, but it's crazy, you know, because when you watch TNG, you know, he wants to blow shit up. Yep, his reaction yeah. to everything is shoot it, shoot yeah, it. Yeah, even on it. Deep Space Nine, he's like, you know, we gotta, we gotta go to battle, we gotta be warriors, you know, we gotta die with honor, today's a good day to yep. die. And then, you know, 20 years later, 30 years later, what have you, you know, uh, yeah, I'm a pacifist, I don't use uh, weapons, uh, yep. we, we stun our, uh, you know, it's... <laughs> It's hilarious. I also loved, and we're jumping the timeline a little bit because I don't remember exactly where it was, but like once, once he's in the same room with Riker again, like uh, he starts listening to Worf spewing all this pacifist stuff, and he literally says something like, "I don't know who you are anymore. What are we doing?" 
Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was that was a, a great moment. Um, so so Worf and Raffi are doing this parallel thing where they're trying to figure out who stole this weapon. And I think they figure out that the, the stealing the portal weapon was actually a cover for stealing something else. Um, yeah. Which we'll get into later. Um, so then, okay, so I'm trying to remember who we haven't gotten to yet. So there's a whole thing in the nebula where Vatic beats the crap out of the Titan enough where, oh, and Shaw gets injured in one of the battle scenes and basically gives command of the ship to Riker because uh, he's completely out of it for a while. And he's um, basically like, you got us into this mess, you got us out. <laughs> yeah, yep. And uh, so Riker has, they've been beaten up by Vatic and he has a kind of a crisis in the sense of like, uh, he knows they're fucked because they're com- they're massively outgunned. Because Titan is not a Titan is not a warship either. Titan probably has like the bare minimum Federation weapons that you can have. It's more of a science ship, and he it's not like one of the heavily armed ones. So, uh, so at one point they they get. Um, they get pounded to the point where the ship is basically going to die. And Picard's like, Hey, we have to turn around and fight her because she doesn't, you know, they won't expect that. And, you know, we're going to die anyway. So, but that fails because he, he won't pull the trigger on it because you find out as it goes on, you know, and he has a couple of, you basically get early on that he's sort of having marital, marital problems with Troy at the moment. And they don't really get into why. Um, which is okay. All, yeah, no, I no, but the why comes later. I wasn't all that bothered by it. I was a little surprised because, like, they seem to have this like model relationship. I was kind of surprised that they did that, but they give it to you later, and it makes sense. Um, so Riker kind of has a crisis because he doesn't want everyone to die, but they get put in this situation where it's pretty much going to happen anyway. Um, and I forget exactly how they get out of it. What was it? <laughs> like the sh- the ship was so beat up, it was going to crash on on the planet that was near the nebula. But they somehow got out of it. And I don't remember what it was. They used the slingshot. Oh, they uh, Corey said they did the slingshot thing out of the nebula. That's yeah, what it was. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So how she remembers that when we watched that one probably three or four months ago, I have no idea. But she did. Hey, Corey, um, at least out of like five of us. Somebody does remember, so thank you. Yep. So, so yeah, they escape. They escape that, and you know there have been a bunch of scenes between Picard and, and Jack trying to like because Picard's trying to figure out you know where does where do I stand with this kid and whatever. And uh, at one point, they're using the holodeck to recreate. Was it Guinan's bar? Yeah, it yep. was a bar. I think it was Guinan's bar. Guinan's how did Whoopi Goldberg? How did Whoopi Goldberg not show up again? I don't How? Know. That, that was that was my gripe is that you had Guinan's bar, and even at the end when they're all like together, not to jump ahead, but like why isn't Guinan like actually shown? They just say, "Oh, you know Guinan, she's over there laughing and joking." It's like, well, yeah, why? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go on the limb and say her political views may have something to do with it. Nah, could have also been her schedule with the view, though. Like she's yeah, on a daily talk show five days a week. I mean, you know, um, but uh, but 
no, so our, there's our there's, maybe maybe just maybe that, they so. couldn't afford her. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, she did, and she did show up in season two for that one episode at least. But considering that all this stuff was filmed back to back, it kind of bugged me that, like, what you couldn't get her to show up for five more minutes in season three somewhere, um, you know. But so there's one, there's a scene in the holodeck version of Guinan's Bar where, uh, you know, Jack and Picard are talking, and there's a lot of like, you know, I, you know, he's trying to figure out what what his role in this kid's life is going to be and everything. And there's some really good stuff here. Like this is where this, the stuff with him and Ed Spaliers is where I feel like Stuart does his best work on this show. Cause a lot of the, a lot of the actual plot stuff suffers from the same thing that the first two seasons did where Picard kind of gets sidelined by his own show. Um, and maybe some of that is a concession to how old the actor is and what did they actually want him to do or not do. But And it didn't bother me in this one because, at least in this season, where I bitched about it in the prior two seasons because I was like, I don't really care about these other side characters enough to not have Picard doing that much. At least in this one, they surrounded him with a bunch of characters we all love. So it's like, mm-hmm. you give Riker or Worf more screen time because he doesn't want to do anything? Fine. Great. Go. Um, but then you have the scene where, you know, they're evacuating everybody on the ship to the bar. And uh, this is where you find out what Shaw's beef with Picard is, where you find out that he was in when he was a, I assume he was far more low ranking than he is now. He was in the battle of Wolf 359 on one of the ships that got destroyed. And he, he basically says something like, you know, I was in an, he was an engineer and he was in like an engineering crew and our commanding officer just randomly picked a couple of us to go into an escape pod and live. And he, he kind of has survivor's guilt because he was like randomly chosen to live where everyone else that he was with ended up dying pretty much. So like he blames Picard for all that, which, you know, makes sense. And this was where, this was where I thought this was amazingly well done because like, you know, I remember best of both worlds where like he felt like shit about it, but Picard felt like shit about it happening, but everyone he was surrounded by knew that he had no active role in it and everybody he was surrounded by kind of forgave him for it. Mm-hmm. So we, we never saw like, what does the rest other than Cisco, right? Cause obviously an emissary fucking Cisco blows up on him about it. Right. But we've never seen, like, what does the average Federation rank and file think of this, right? Like, you've never seen that. And I just kind of got the sense, like, when Shaw goes off on him and is like, the one Borg who was so, who killed so many people, they fucking named him, right? And, like... Yeah, no Borg has a name other than you. Yep, and and at no point does Picard go, like, he offers no defense. He's just like, okay. Yeah, I know. I get it. Yeah, but he knows he's so, right. He yeah, can, so like, he, and he knows he can't excuse what he done because it's like, yeah, he like he might have been a Borg at the time, but he was still him. Yep. So like, I found myself wondering in that moment, like, has he just spent? Has Picard just spent his entire life having to defend this and just kind of given up? You know, probably. Like, 
probably because rem you remember that scene he had with Cisco uh, in uh, the emissary episode. I mean, yeah. it's almost the exact same thing, you know. And Cisco yeah. wasn't the emissary yet either. So yeah, uh, yeah it's a, like you can get a feel for, but it's still, you know, he's a hero of the Federation. Yeah. So well, you would I, assume that a lot of people, you know, they don't give two fucks. But yep. still, you I gotta know. Say too, I gotta say too, though, like, you guys all know how much I love Avery Brooks and how much I love the character of Cisco. Like, I kind of felt like Stashwick does this better because oh, yeah. when, when Cisco had a scene where he blows up on Picard, like, there's only so far that's gonna go because... Yeah, because he's, he's a commander. Still, because he still has to be the hero of the fucking show. Like, you know inherently that Cisco has to be the fucking hero of that show, right? So how much is he really going to blast Picard for that? Yeah, but he's lower ranked. He's lower ranked. He's commander talking to captain. Yeah, Shaw just tears him apart because, well, there's no, you know, I think he also plays it way more subtly than, than Avery Brooks played that, where there's a lot of yelling. Um because they were trying to show how angry that character was, which makes sense. But I think by, you know, however many years it is later, like, I almost would have wanted to see, like, I get at the beginning of the show that Seven of Nine says Shaw's kind of a dick. But, like, I wonder, like, is he... I would have liked to have seen Shaw before Picard walked onto that bridge. Because I almost kind of wonder if, like, did him showing up just trigger all this shit in Shaw immediately mm -hmm. and make him a massive dickhead? Like, what was he before this, right? Like, if they do the, the legacy spinoff thing, which we'll talk about later, because I don't think they are, but whatever, um, I would love to see something from the Titan before this season starts where you kind of see what Shaw was before all that. You know, just for just because I love the character for one. And, uh, but yeah, so there's this whole thing about, you know, I hate you because, you know, you wrecked my entire life and you didn't even realize it. And I have all this guilt because all these people I was around are all dead now and I'm not, you know, and there's no real reason why I shouldn't be. Um, but the, I think the reason I love this character so much is like, yeah, he was a dick, but literally everything he said about them was right. Like every argument he makes on paper, whether and you're not designed to like the argument because he's like shitting on your heroes, right? But yeah, but he's right. Literally every argument he makes is right, and like even they can't, even they sort of can't argue it at a certain point. And he knows he's just kind of stuck with them. You know, they get so far into this situation that he knows he's kind of stuck with them. Um, and he, you know, and I also loved when. Uh, when Jordy shows up, he like fanboys out on Jordy, and I was like, "This is so cool!" Like, I don't know, he yeah, was like, he's super, an engineer, so yeah, he's also... like super awkward around Jordy. Like, oh my god, he's such a nerd. Um, <laughs> so also, yeah, they get also in that also in that scene with uh, with Picard and him, and when he's going on and on about how like you know he murdered everybody. Like, I love Picard's reaction to it because it's almost like you know he's just like ran into that before he gives that that attitude of i've heard this before i've lived with this for 30 years i've been able to get over it eventually you know even though he you know it took him a while 
and he still hears the voices and then obviously you find out why he still heard the voices but you know it's it's one of those things where i just love how we just kind of let him have his peace stop uh jack from saying anything and then just kind of walked out at the end you know because he knew the situation they were in he knew that sean needed to get that off his chest and i thought it was just great way to end that whole bar scene because it goes from like you know picard and jack trying to like in this relationship to like this sour note and then you just come back down to reality that they're in like this dire sour situation yeah i thought i honestly thought that thing between him and show where patrick stewart doesn't really say that much was like the best scene of the show for me because it was just like you're right he everything stewart does is like not even played through dialogue he is exactly what you said he's like i've done this a thousand times i get it like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna shit on your process i get it like get it get it out there do whatever you got to do i'm not gonna say anything you know and it works and he does it all in like just reaction shots and and all that kind of thing like it was just it was beautiful it's a beautiful scene like yeah, if, but you also have that note of like not you know, like i get you because like you lost all your crewmates but i yeah. have to live with the fact that i killed not just one crew it's like how many ships were there a lot Federational, you know it's like, <laughs> i don't I remember was exactly recently, but it was a lot yeah, it's like i was responsible for all of their destruction like for you it's one ship full of crewmates and it's like i get it but like the weight that i had to carry and get over is like much more it's like if this is your process of this is what you got to do to get it out of your system i get it and go yep. for it but like you know yeah it's, which, it's a cool one of the cool moment yeah <laughs> which one of the arguments i always disliked in star trek was that people were bitching and moaning that a card is always going back to being locutus or going back to like you know, talking about his time as Locutus, it's like, get over it, move on. There's other things you can talk about in Trek besides Picard and the Borg and best of both worlds, but it's like... Yeah, but it's a massive thing. thing. Yeah, you know, and, like, and like, that was one of the things I didn't like about the, the show itself, what they did after that, because they only had him deal with it maybe in that one, two episodes, and then they didn't talk yeah. about it until, like, near the end, I guess, Um, like, when they had, like, Hugh on there and stuff like that, but um, and then they start talking about him more in Picard, and then obviously they deal, dealt with it in First Contact. But it's like, I don't know, I felt like they, they should have, like, if it was nowadays, they definitely would have dwelled on it a little more. And yeah. they would have definitely showed that, like, mental toll it takes on you, that, like, this guy who is, you know, the epitome of what you want as a, as a, as a captain, essentially. I mean, he, you know, he, he goes in, he knows how to command the crew, he goes into danger. He knows the risks. He knows who to risk. He knows who not to risk. You know, he, you know. I would say Jean-Luc Picard is probably who you would want to model yourself after if you wanted to be a starship captain. And mm -hmm. he had this, like, horrible thing happen to him where he had to essentially destroy the thing that he worked so hard to become, which is the Federation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, you know, I don't know. No, you're absolutely right, and I think that's just the nature of television in yeah. 1990, 1990. Like, they weren't yeah. allowed to do that. Like, exactly. I, always, I always kind of objected to, like, and I think this is a great episode, and someday we should do this one, but that the family episode where he goes back to Earth and mm -hmm. hangs out with the brother, like, I always kind of thought it was kind of 
kind of shitty that like you know he goes through all that like he has the the big like he cries it out with the brother and stuff yeah. and then suddenly he's fine it's like yeah no i don't think it would be that easy no yeah. <laughs> honestly that, that i was trying to make like a list of them that like you know because you you said that you always want to know which ones we want to cover that was actually yeah. one of them i was going to start adding to my list of ones that you know after you know after we do like cause and effect or whatever and it's my turn again like you know yeah. like I, i've been coming up with like like basically next gen episodes that i would want to talk about and that's definitely one of them yeah um so so then they get out of the nebula and they decide they have to go you know don't they get that's when rose shows up right when they get out of the nebula yeah so they get out of the yep. nebula and um what happens is and and obviously we got out of the we they got out of the nebula but i think we kind of i don't know if we did or not because i was kind of distracted but did we talk about like Riker and like his whole like loss of conscious and that whole thing like oh when yeah they're, the when whole, they're trying yeah the whole he's kind like, of freak out, the kind of freak out he has about nobody dying and stuff yeah we did kind of hit yeah. on that we didn't yeah, get into yeah, the why yeah, yeah. the why doesn't come up till later but um, yeah 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 but um yeah. but yeah that the rose stuff happens in the following episode because what happens yep. at the end of that one is that he goes oh yeah Shaw comes up he's like oh yeah I've already contacted Starfleet they're on their way and you guys like, I got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> I love the line he has before I love the line Shaw has before Roe shows up where they're all in the they're all in the conference room and it's everybody who's there and then Shaw's there and he goes, You know what? Out of all out of the respect I have for you guys for what we just went through, I'm gonna step out of here so that you can get your bullshit story straight before before yeah. Starfleet shows up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Great yeah, scene. that's a good one. Yep. So uh, then Rose shows up. She, she's like working for Starfleet security, and you you know she interrogates them about uh, the interrogation was about like founder the changelings and stuff and like and the stuff with Jack and whatever. Uh, and you find out that she's she is Worf's handler, which you find out a little bit later. And um, yeah, yeah, at the end of the episode. Yep, that she's trying to figure out, you know, she thinks that the changelings have infiltrated Starfleet to some in the Federation to some ridiculous degree. And what you find out from uh, in the Worf and Raffi half, you find out that uh, Worf was basically, and he doesn't say it specifically, but he says, you know, a a changeling that I respect contacted me, which I assume had to be Odo. He doesn't yeah. say, it, yeah, yeah. But, um, That's yeah, the only and, person. And, who and I, yep, and you guys know how much I love Odo. When that came up, I was like, yes. You know, I wish he, I wish he would have said it by name, but you know, whatever. Um, so he basically says, you know. Odo informed me that there were a, a group of changelings that didn't agree with the peace thing, and they went off and tried to do their own thing to uh, to uh, destroy the Federation. And what you find out, and we'll, this is where we're going to get into the Vatic of it all, because at this point is where I think she ceases to be important. Um, where, Agreed. where I guess what and you find out that there are now changelings that are 
that don't register with all the stuff they'd use in the past to find them, right? So, like, the blood screening yeah. thing doesn't work. Um, yeah, so, so ba- yeah, basically what happens is Crusher finds out in sickbay that because of the uh, the changeling that um, took LaForge's daughter's shape, um, they were in there and they were essentially doing an autopsy. Um, they find out that the reason why they couldn't detect it was because it has blood in it and it's it's more human like it's more uh solid as opposed yeah, to changing it has, like, in, in it has like human organs and all that yeah. stuff i mean so what you find out from vatic i mean there's a whole scene where she explains her whole backstory this is i thought this was wonderful like this was a great use of this whole thing what you find out is that she was one of a group of changelings that was a prisoner of war during the Dominion War, and after the Dominion War ends, Section 31 had them and was experimenting on them in order to, they wanted to find a way to make them, like, perfect spies, right? And they want, Section 31 wanted to be able to use changelings to do that. So the whole idea was that you modify their genetics or whatever so that they can pass for human or whatever you want them to pass for, and the, the stuff that would normally stop them, like the blood screenings and all that other shit, and like the certain like phaser frequency and whatever wouldn't do anything. But then Vatic was like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm going to get out of this because this is horrible. So she, she escapes and all of her people escape and all that. Well, she, and, well, she kills, she kills the, the scientist who was experimenting. Right. And who I can scientist. And the scientist's name is Vatic. And that's that's oh, where that, she got the name from. Where she got yeah. the name from. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And she also took her face. Right. Yeah. So then they go. So Roe tells them, you know, uh um the founders have infiltrated the Federation to some ridiculous degree. Don't trust anybody. Don't even I wasn't even comfortable using transporters because I feel like they've done something to those too, but I can't prove it. Um, so then she, yeah, because she refuses to, to, to transport to the, yep, and, we'll find, by and we'll find out why very soon. Uh, cause she ends up being right about that and we'll find out why very soon. Um, so at one point she's in a shuttle and she was going back to the, they basically took all the, took all, most of the crew off the Titan, except for the characters yeah. that we kind of well, care about. Not not to interrupt you, but one of the things we did major at least skim her whole conversation with Jean Luc, which I thought that was that to me was like one of the best things of this series was her whole conversation with like them coming back and like basically rebounding after having this like hatred for one another after what she did with the Marquis at the end of TNG. And you know he has that whole oh, conversation. Yeah, he has that whole conversation with Riker. Yeah, he has that whole conversation with Riker. Like what she did to you, Will. And then you know Riker's like, yeah, just gotta get over it. Like there's not much yeah. time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you know, so when, yeah, when they have that thing, and he goes back and forth with her, and then she gives him, she gives him his earring. Like, I was like, wow, that, like, that got me a little bit when she gave him his earrings. Because I was like, 
oh man, like that was like a major thing. Like it was a whole show, like between Snyder World and was like, like the thing that, that kind of set it all off was that you know she wore the jewelry, you know she you know, didn't really wear the code, stuff like that. You know she gives him this ear. Find out didn't why she, she wear it on the wrong ear. Huh? No, she didn't have it. She was a Moira. Yeah, she didn't have it. Yeah, she wasn't wearing it. That's what. That's why he thought she was a changeling because. Yeah. Because she, like, she's like, he's like, what you wearing? Your, your You know. Yeah, because I thought the whole thing on I thought the whole thing on TNG was that she wore it on the wrong ear because she wasn't religious. Uh yeah, I think I think she wears it on the wrong yeah. Um, kind of, yeah, that's why she does it on TNG. And this, he wasn't wearing it at all. And that oh, was like, that was like the major crux of it. That was the major crux of it in TNG was that she was wearing it at all. And you're not supposed to wear jewelry on duty, blah, blah, blah. Um, but in this, she wasn't wearing it at all. He knew how important hearing was to her and how important all that jewelry. And the fact that she wasn't wearing it was what he thought made her a uh, changer. And right. So, um, but then at the end, when he gives it to her, it's like you know, like this is the last time they both know this is going to be the last time they see each other. But I don't yeah, think they knew it was going to be that quickly. I and I <laughs> yeah, had but at no... the same time they were able to repair their relationship, if you want to call it mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, which was like. And I will yeah. say, Roe was, uh, you know, a lot. Of, and I try to, av- I try, I actively tried to avoid a lot of promotion for this. Uh, like, I didn't quite go into the, you know, and we've talked about on other shows, like, I stop at, I stop at trailers, like, whatever, yeah. whatever one or two trailers they put out for something, like, I'll watch those, but I don't, beyond that, I don't care, you know, and I try to avoid anything else. But for this, you know, I, I stopped at the trailers, and then whenever anything else came out, I was like, no, mm-mm. Uh, and a lot of the cameos and stuff, they kind of gave away in, in the trailers and stuff but Roe was the one I had no clue was showing up and then yeah. and he, and up, anything like, I read about it anything I read about it there was nothing about Roe yep. I thought that was great that they were able to hide that yep and then when she does show up I had not seen her in so long I wasn't even sure it was her I was just like because <laughs> it kind of looked like her and and Corey, I don't think even know. You know, she might have seen one or two of the TNG episodes that Roe was in, but I don't think she registered enough. And I was just like, I, I think I said out loud, I'm like, is that Roe? What the fuck? And then she's just like, huh? <laughs> fun, fun fact. Fun fact. We were talking about DS9 characters not showing up. Technically, Roe Laren was supposed to be in that Kira. Uh, role. Yeah, no, they they wrote but, that for her. The actress, yeah, yeah, and the actress didn't want to do it, so that's why yep. that's why they changed it to to Kira. Yep, and I don't know if I don't know if if she had jump shows, would O'Brien not have gone there? Or you know, I wonder I wonder if if um the reason they had O'Brien jump shows is because she didn't want to do that. Um, but maybe they always were going to put him on that show. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, it kind of it kind of allows them to you know give him a little bit of uh, breathing room because I mean they were developing his character pretty well. Yeah, they weren't so really doing like that much. Of him. Like, yeah. So so I have yeah. a feeling he would have probably um, went over there anyway. I, you're right, Justin. I loved all that stuff between him and Roe, just because yeah. like I even thought you know it showed like how how much pride he still had over that and how like, cause I feel like that scene where Riker was like, Hey man, uh, 
you need to maybe kind of drop this where I kind of felt like everybody else that had dealt with her at least kind of understood why she did what she did, where she joins the Maquis, but he took it so personally, he was just like, no, fuck that. And, you know, Riker's entire thing was like, dude, man, it was the middle of a fucking giant war that sucked for everybody. Let it go. <laughs> you know? Um, so, yep. So yeah, then she left she, powerfully. She didn't leave you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. she was great. And she's great. Yeah. Like, I I was almost kind of bummed they killed her off because, like, they, yeah. if they're going to, like I said before, if they're going to do some version of, if they end up doing some version of this Section 31 show they were talking about with, but they change it to Raffi and Worf, like, I would have loved her to be the third who would maybe show up every fourth episode or so, like, you know, but, um, Ooh. the row. She died. No, but I'm saying yeah, I could have left, left her alive yeah, if she didn't die. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm then, saying they uh, could have also one, and then also one thing, uh, not to interrupt you, but, uh, yeah, you're talking about I when we talk about her dying that whole time, like she's talking to them and telling them the whole thing, and you see Picard and Riker on the bridge, and even Seven of Nine, and they're all talking to her, and they see her just basically take herself into the nacelle, and you see the look on Shaw's face. I thought that actor did so great in that scene because it was just a little, a little look. And it was like you can tell that now this is all dawning on him that it wasn't all bullshit from an old Yeah, no, he's realizing how exactly. he's realizing how deep this all goes and how fucked they are, and he's like, Oh shit. Yep. <laughs> um you know, so yep, so then they decide they need so after that, you know, Roe dies, they're fully aware of what's going on here, and they decide what was it that gets them to go to the the museum originally? George? No, but Jordan. Yeah, but Jordan. Right, but why do they go there though? I don't think they went there to get him. I think they went there for something else. Data. No, the museum. No, the museum they went there because they needed to hide. Um, but um, they they went there because they needed to hide from Starfleet. Because as soon as as soon as that happened, they were like, "We're fucked. We gotta get out of here." And so right. they needed so to they find go there, the shelter. They go there thinking and, that he will he will at least help them do that. Yep. yep. Okay. And then, and then that's the next episode where you know yep. they get a, a not so pleasant greeting from an old friend. <laughs> yep. They, they go there and and Lavar shows up and he again he's another he's another case of absolute fucking a game. He was great. Like oh, yeah. I was, actually, I was actually kind of, yep. I was actually kind of bummed that he shows up so late because he was he's the last one to. I mean, I guess Troy, but Troy had been in a couple scenes before that, but he's the last one to be introduced. And I was, he was so good. I was actually kind of bummed that he shows up so late because I was just like, I wanted more of this because he's so great and like. He's a Commodore now, which I thought actually kind of outranked an Admiral from the way the Starfleet rank structure works. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't know if we can look that up or something. <laughs> I have no idea. But I had always thought that a Commodore outranks an Admiral. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole lot, you know, and, and he's trying to explain the whole thing to Jordy, and Jordy acknowledges it, but I think he's like, 
he's also kind of risk averse in the same way that Riker is because he has kids now and he doesn't, you know, and he's trying to think about like, he's basically just trying to protect his children. So he doesn't want to like, you know, and, and I, and they put this in the trailers and I kind of wish they hadn't because it was a great moment. I kind of wish I had not seen it in advance uh, where, where Picard says to him when he's trying to convince him to help them, he's like, yeah, but it's a life and death situation. I need you. And he goes, John Luke, everything in our fucking lives is life and death. It, when isn't it? You know, <laughs> so just a and quick like, uh, note on the Commodore. I kind of Googled it and the Commodore is a place between captain and rear ad- admiral in oh, okay. both the real life Navy and the fictional star. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. They always junior is the most real junior of the flag officer ranks in naval right. terms. The Commodore is the officer in charge of more than one ship. So basically, okay, yeah, admiral yeah. is one star admiral. He's he kind of like a below the admiral. He's kind of like a fan. On, basically on um, alpha memory. They basically alpha memory alpha. Uh, yep. Memory alpha, whatever. Uh, they uh, they basically equated it to rear admiral because they didn't really oh, have cool. like, a place in the canon for <laughs> it. But yeah, it is somewhere in between. But they said essentially he's like a one star admiral. Essentially. Um, right, uh, really, yeah, he's basically like, one star admiral. So he's yeah, yeah. So they're they're kind of the same rank. It's I just think that rear I think admiral is one star admiral. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, on well on on uh, memory alpha, it, it had it as a one star. So I don't know. You know, maybe it used to be a two star. Yeah, but no, I think in the show enough, usually when a, the you have a role lower and the higher, so it's like it covers. Yeah, because it's rear admiral and then it's like upper admiral or something. Yeah. Or yeah. And upper admiral, so, yeah, uh, upper admiral is like a two star, I think. And then there's like uh, a fleet admiral, and then there's some other one. There's like there's a couple of there's a couple of admiral ranks. So is so this, you, you kind of have your rear admiral, you have lower, that's the one star. Mm-hmm. Then you have the upper half, yeah. that's the two star. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Then you rank have the rank vice, vice admiral, the three star. The admiral is a four star admiral. Fleet Admiral is just a five-star admiral, but that's like usually during the war. You don't usually have a five-star admiral. It's like the same thing in the army. You don't have a five-star general unless, like, you last time you had him was World War II, I believe. Yeah, I think I think essentially it was just because they brought that back after not having it since TOS. Um, yeah. So I think they had to try to figure out where it would be in the ranking system because they don't. They haven't used it really since TOS. Yeah. So, TOS was, yeah. was the last show to use it that I recall. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Jordy wants nothing to do with any of this, right? Because he's like, fuck it, I have my kids now, I don't really care. Um, we meet his other daughter, Alundra, played by played by Robert Burton's actual daughter, Micah Burton. Uh-huh. Um, and she's very, I think the, the other one, Sydney, is actually gives a better performance, but uh, Alunder doesn't get that much to do. She's not in it that much. Yeah, um, well, I don't think is she she's, is she an actor or is she yeah, is this just a whole, you know because I don't she, know if she's she was like, in anything else before. Yeah, I think she's been in like little things here and there, but like she's nothing. She's not like you know she's not like a big time actress or she's not been in anything that's like you know of of note. Um, I think yeah, she's kind of she probably kind just of does it person. for her dad. So this was probably yeah. a dad daughter thing. Like I she probably like wanted to be... to be in something with her father, and yeah, you know, probably. Yeah, I think that was 
from what I read, that was a condition of LeVar Burton showing up on this. He's like, can you write something for my kid? Um, and like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Oh, why not? And if, she, and if they ever do the legacy show and she shows up on it, great. You know, cool. Um, so, yeah, he ends up getting... We haven't actually talked about Jack that much, uh, but he uh, he decides to... so. Jordy runs like the Starfleet ship museum. So there's a bunch of bunch of old ships there, like the Voyagers there, Defiance there, the uh, Great the Easter bird of Pre- the bird of prey from Star Trek Four is there. I mean, yeah. HMS was, Bounty. Yep. So Jack gets in his head to steal a cloaking device. So they steal the one from the Bounty and wire it to the Titan. And also, uh, we didn't. Uh... We also didn't mention that his favorite ship was there and there. Kirk's Enterprise is there, yeah. Yes, I think Archer's Enterprise, was, Archer's Enterprise was also there. So there was a reference to to uh, the NX-01 in there somewhere. Um, so then they get... Did they go to Daystrom before this or after this? Um, they, go, they go to it after, after because okay. they have the place. device. So what right. happens is um, they're they're on the bridge. Her, him, and seven or nine, and he gets that idea. And throughout the whole thing of like Picard and Jordy kind of going back and forth, back and forth, he kind of commandeers the LaForge girls and goes, "Hey, you guys want to help me with something?" And so they end up sneaking over to the bounty, grabbing the cloaking device, and they start putting it together while Shaw and and um and Jordy and Picard and Seven and Nine and everybody are having the arguments up on the bridge. Um, all of a sudden, there's like a power surge, and they find out that they were uh, trying to connect the, um, the cloaking device. And then Jordy shows up and he goes, "Because you're not doing this right." And he comes in and he like helps them like connect it together or whatever. After he thought that Picard sent them over there to get it, and he's like, "Jordy, I would never do something like that." And, yeah, uh, but my but my kid, but my kid's a thief. So there you go. Um, I think I think at this point, Federation was actually closing in on him. It was Jordy? Yeah, no, I couldn't were. remember this wrong, but I think the reason why Jordy actually helped him wasn't like Jordy was going to turn him in, but his daughter wasn't going to go back with him. It was mm-hmm. like, well, if I got to protect my daughter, she was like, then just move mm-hmm. out of the way. Let me connect the cloaking device. Plus, yep. Plus, the problem with their like interconnected thing now is that they were gonna eventually find it because they eventually basically had like Ojak on it. Um, so they were gonna eventually find the ship. So that's why they had to keep moving because if they didn't keep moving, eventually some uh, Federation ship would have found them due to their like yep. interconnectivity. Which we find oh, yeah, out this later is, when they do. This is where we should mention, and this becomes a major plot point that for some reason now all Federation ships are networked together, so they can always find every everyone, and it it's not really explained why they do it. It just is a thing that they've done. Um, so well, then honestly, they if you, want, if, you want, if you want a cool connection point, just look at Prodigy. And the reason why, like, you had the whole virus thing, where it's like, if we just contact one ship, then the virus would spread all the others. Yeah, you would think after, since Prodigy happens after this, you would think yeah. because this happened, that they, they wouldn't do that when <laughs> Prodigy happens, but okay. Um, they don't so, really care uh, about the... Uh... 
what's the word? They don't care about the connectivity and the. Uh, yep. Well, this this one stuff. in particular, this one in particular, because I think he was trying to get away from a lot of the 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 Kurtzman canon, I guess. Even though the cartoons are also a little bit away from the Kurtzman canon, but um, I mean, once again, I don't think they're really trying to connect those shows like Lower Decks and um prodigy to a degree with the live action stuff i mean they do have like boiler and beckett coming on to well they're good uh, they're good the <laughs> but but i mean like i don't think they're trying to say like oh well this happened with the dauntlet you know like you're not gonna see no, shows I, don't, I never said that's that. what they were trying to do i think it was no, just no 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 thing to look at yep so then they decided to go to uh daystrom station which is like it's essentially Federation Area 51 um, to try to figure out what, because like we said earlier, the the stealing of the portal tech was a cover for stealing something else. And I, I for the longest time, uh, knowing from the trailers that this certain character was going to show up, I thought that the thing that they had stolen was, because I thought Vatic had a boss, right? Which he kind of does, but it's not you what see Radic talking to somebody, so it's kind of assumed yeah. Radic is working for somebody, right? Yeah. So I thought, you know, because as we were going through it weekly, and this is part of why, you know, if we had done it weekly, we probably would have talked about some of this as it was going on. But I had, you know, all the insane fan theories that everyone else had, that I'm, and most of which were completely debunked almost immediately. But I thought. Vadic's boss was going to be Lore, and that was what, and that was what they had actually stolen, because I figured they would have Lore squirreled away somewhere. Um, turns out that it's not that, and they go to um, they go to Daystrom Station, and I think it was Riker, Worf, and Raffi go down there to try to figure out what's going on down there. And yeah. there were a, there were a couple of moments in this show, and I will point them out when we get to them, uh, that actually made me tear up slash cry from the from the nostalgia <laughs> of it all, right? Yeah. And I I have no problem admitting that I'm a 45 year old man. I love this shit. Like this this Star Trek stuff is like the formative pop culture thing of my entire life. It has been for like 35 years. You know. So hey I guys, to- uh, sorry, I gotta cut this short. I gotta go. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't know how... Yeah, this has been... uh, I know we were going to do the whole season, but this has been... I got to go do stuff, so... uh, Okay. Well, But uh, just to leave you with some overall thoughts, I liked uh, about the uh, season, actually. Uh, I liked what they did with Data. Uh, You're going to talk about it later on. I really liked what they did with them. Yeah. Uh, the thing that they did with Borg and the uh, the uh, changelings, I really kind of I like the idea of it, but I hated the execution. I really didn't like how the changelings were portrayed when they were uh, morphing into something else. I really disliked that whole thing because I really liked it the way they did it in the nineties in DS Nine. And yeah. uh, and the thing that they did with uh, at the end with. Uh, with Jack and uh, and Picard, it was it was okay. It was following something, uh, whatever. But I really hated the uh, post-credit scene in the finale episode with Jack and uh, 
I'm sure you're gonna talk about it, but the character oh, that will. keeps, uh, yeah, with the character that keeps appearing in all these Star Trek shows. I mean, it was a great Easter egg, but you know, when Q says, you know, the trial never ended, I'm like, I, I, why? I mean, really? Like, there's nothing else you can do with this character. Well, he, it's really kind of old. Here's my thing before you. Here's my thing before you go, and we'll, we'll get into. Have to leave. No, just Why Boris, right? Oh, no, I just, Boris. Yeah. Okay. I, was gonna say, I have no life. I, I okay. don't have any place to go to. Boris, the thing I the thing <laughs> I will say life. about that the thing I will say about that before you go is sure. that they wanted and we'll talk about that more when we get there, but they wanted to make that like the multi-generational thing setting up the legacy thing if that's what they're going if that's what that was for. Why isn't it Q's kid? Exactly, right? That's what I would nobody say. Cares about you. Nobody cares. There's only yeah. one Q. Yeah, I he love John Delancey. I love John Delancey. I like him as Q. I mean, I rarely saw him in anything else. To be to be honest, I saw him in a, maybe a movie or some show or somewhere where he was, you know, guest appearing or whatever. Like he was in Stargate. He was there like uh, for like few episodes, which was great. But uh, yeah, we'll John Delancey as Q is pretty. I mean, it was a great Easter egg and whatnot, but did they really have to go on with the fucking trial? Well, it also bugged me because they did the whole thing at the end of season, not that in the end of the season that shall not be named with him dying. And it was like, what, you're going to completely invalidate that like six months later? Really? Yes. Yeah, but I guess yes, I think because I think the season the that shall not be named has no continuity of- to anything. It's not connected to actual yeah, continuity. No everything- continuity. Anything that happened there doesn't really didn't really happen because it doesn't really exist. Yep, 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 yeah, exactly. Anyways, those are my thoughts about the uh, about the uh, you know the uh, season three of Picard. It was okay overall. It was good. It was watchable. Could have they done something's different for sure? Uh, but uh, yeah, the whole soap opera with Jack and uh, Beverly and Picard. It was just. It was so Riverdale, I I vomited almost a few times. And uh, just an update on that, I haven't seen Riverdale. I have no intention to watch it anymore. I stopped it like the season six or whatever it was. And I see it's still going on. So yeah, my uh, my addiction to Riverdale. I have no intention of watching that show beyond the sixth season that I actually watched. It's ridiculous. Like, I didn't watch the sixth season. I just watched the. I just watched the part of it. I like. I watched like two or three episodes. That was it. That's not even not that. A progress. You watched five seasons of that show. Yeah, man. It was. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was uh, stronger than me. Yeah. But uh, I'm over it. I'm over it now. Uh, CW is ending. Thank God. Uh, no more fucking soap operas from them. As far as I've I know. Watched, I've never watched the second of that show, so I'm just gonna. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a good thing. It's a good, good thing. Don't do it, man. Don't don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Yeah. Um, I wasted a lot of my life on uh, that shit, but uh, I, that's over now. <laughs> I'm cured. Anyways, okay. I got it. I gotta go. It was nice hanging out with you after a whole month of not doing anything. But uh, hopefully, we'll talk soon. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we have plans for things for yeah. sure. Have fun, so, fellas. Awesome. So yep. So they go to they go to Daystrom. And there's a bunch of Easter eggs for things like the fucking attack triple. Uh, they have, they somehow have 
Kirk's corpse on ice, which I thought was kind of creepy. Uh, you know, I assume they picked really? it up from from Viridian Three and Generations and oh, stuff. Well, you kind of see you kind of see that from uh, that little short that they put out. Uh, oh right, there was a there was a short that I didn't look yeah. at. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You definitely gotta watch that. It's on YouTube. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty much connected to that. It's like two minutes. Away. Cool. Uh, and then you find out that there is a security system on this station in the form of Professor Moriarty, played by Daniel Davis. Uh, so he comes back, which I thought was that was also in the trailer. So I knew that was happening in some way. I thought he was going to be a much bigger. I thought from what they had shown that the big bad of the show was going to be him and Lore, like teaming up for something, right? Um, so yeah, he shows up as like that's how you make a trailer, and that's how you screw with an audience. Yes, you can't. You can't do. You can't. You can't screw with the audience that doesn't watch the trailer. So I had no idea he was like same thing with Roe. I had no idea. You know, it's like all these uh, cameos that show up. Like when I saw Professor Moriarty, I was like, oh, it's awesome because I had no idea he was actually showing up in any capacity. So. Moriarty shows up. He's like the security system for the station. And uh, they disable him because he's whistling something that you, or there's a sound playing through the room that you can kind of hear, right? And it bugged me. It seemed sort of familiar, but I couldn't place it. Then they cut to immediately. (laughs) Then they cut to the, then they cut to the first thing on this show that made me cry. They went back to. Oh, yeah. They actually uh, they actually showed the footage from Riker's first meeting with Data at Farpoint, where yeah. they were on the holodeck and and Data's struggling to whistle "Pop Goes the Weasel," and Riker just you know they go back to the present day and Riker just does it and then it shuts it off and I was like, dude, that is an awesome fucking callback like that that one more than anything showed me how deep. Terry Metalis was willing to go because, like, oh yeah, I don't know, I don't know that many, uh, and you know, there are tons of fans with encyclopedic knowledge of that show, and I don't know that anybody would have thought that that of all things was going to come back somehow, you know, and oh, just yeah. seeing that again and seeing seeing spy, and I know it was old footage and stuff; it was all recycled from the pilot, but like seeing Spiner playing that version of the character again, even if it's old footage, was like, it just got me. I was like, wow, the fact they were willing to use this was like, holy shit. So then, they get to Daystrom, and this was another thing that I sort of hung up on, where there's a version of Data just kind of standing there, and it's it's Spiner without the makeup. He's He's got the contacts for the gold eyes and whatever but he's not wearing any of like the yeah he's not wearing any of the makeup and whatever so it's basically just spiner in a uniform um and i knew that you know he had said one of the reasons why he didn't want to play data anymore and why you know why the picard season one thing was ostensibly the last time he was going to do it was he didn't want to he didn't want to do the makeup anymore because it was too much of a pain in the ass so clearly they had this idea where they could have him still do it, but not put him in the makeup. Not, not, I thought not, I, not as much as yeah. Morph's makeup was, but 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it also saved them money probably to just put him in a uniform instead of having somebody put all that makeup on him. Um, so then you get a that's there and they, they weren't expecting that to be there. And then data no or the that okay, so you get a hologram of the human son that Sung had, uh also played by Spiner, who says, Well, I designed this whole robot like human looking robot thing that is like a combination of data, lore, and uh, B four and wall. Uh well basically it I, starts off not to interrupt you, but it starts off about yeah i was just kind of confused because like i didn't get the sense that that guy was smart enough to do that and like it's only been like it wasn't just the idea it was more like i'm i'm pretty sure that he was actually the father who actually put the whole thing together he was just kind of putting it together because you actually find out that he actually never does finish the work because like he couldn't get all the personalities to actually merge into a single one so it's right like pretty much uh i mean this is probably a bad analogy Hello? but this is basically like uh Tolkien's son putting together his father's work yeah Hello? you know that that's yeah we can hear you now so that's oh, kind of okay. the way i got it was like he's trying to finish what his dad started he could never really get it to work to get all the personalities to merge into a single one, which is why Data is shot off in the Daystrom Institute and not out there like helping people or doing serving in Starfleet or whatever. Yep. And uh, so there's a whole thing at the beginning of that part of it where you know Data is now alive again in a form that we've never seen, but he also has lore in his head, so they sort of go back and forth a lot. And um, Data knows what it is was actually stolen, and they're trying to get him to. They're trying to get him to the point where they can get that information. Um, and here's where we're going to backtrack a little bit because this is something I completely forgot to bring up because we've talked about Jack so little. Uh, they mention at one point that Jack has the same uh, the same illness that Picard had that killed him at the beginning of season one. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that adds a level of you know pathos to that whole thing between them because he's like, oh great, now I also get to die young because you gave me this fucked up thing. Um, so then. Data figures that uh, so then they do this whole thing where like so Vatic ends up taking over the Titan because she attacks them again and it also happens to be while Lore is doing a bunch of shit that fucks them up. So then they're at a disadvantage and Vatic takes the ship over. And this is where you find out what it is that's with because Jack has has uh displayed some like I won't say superpowers, but he had like a Jason Bourne moment where he like kicked the crap out of a bunch of changelings for, you know, and it didn't seem like something he would be capable of normally. Uh, But then you find out he does have like superpowers where he's able to like put his mind in other, or like control other people's bodies with his mind and stuff. And, uh, and they sort of explain that he, he has essentially Borg genetics, 
from being Picard's son. Uh, mm-hmm. This to me was kind of half-assed. Like, I don't know. I just thought the explanation was kind of weird. Um, and I'm not sure, like... And Justin, you had brought up, like, why would the... What the board plan ends up being at the end, why that seems so contingent on him having a kid. Like, how would they even know that? Right. And I didn't agree with you at first, but then I sort of thought about it some more after we talked about it. It was like, yeah, it does kind of, that does kind of not make sense to me. Like their whole plan was contingent on him existing and having these, these superpowers that they didn't really account for. But then how do you, how do you do this big giant plan that they were doing where you need that? But I don't know. I, and it doesn't, it's not such that it like invalidates the entire thing for me. It's just like, why this whole thing is, is this is where it started to get into like narrative gymnastics for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's really like the negative I had was like, how they like basically it took the contingency that he was going to have a son and then that's how the Borg like gets reborn or something. But it's like, like at the time the Borg queen didn't know that Janeway was going to kill them all at the end of end game. You know what I mean? So it's like, like how did they know that this was going to happen to them? How did they know that any of the Romulan stuff was going to happen to them? Like, I don't know. It yep. seemed a little and, odd that whole Borg thing. I, I get including the Borg, you but said, like you could, there, there's a way to get around it. You could have had, you could have even had just like a throwaway line of like, you know, we have this plan that involves him, and we know, you know, and we know it's going to involve, you know, they could have put some if they still, you know, because he obviously. Uh, the Borg still have some level of influence over him, and clearly they're able to do stuff with genetics that we were not aware of up until now. You could have even put some like post hypnotic compulsion in his head that, like, at some point I have to have a kid. You know. Oh, so plus, like, plus I think, plus I think it was just, I think it was just kind of like a plot thing that they were kind of like, oh shit, we have to have a reason why Jack is special. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then that was kind of what they did. But I'm like, so Picard has magic spoon. Like, I don't really get it. Like, I get like, I get how they, I get what they said to make it there. But, like, it just didn't make sense. I'm like, yep. it, that, I don't think, I don't think biologically that would have made sense. Where in terms yep. of, like, how would they have been able to somehow have Picard pass some sort of Borg DNA to his son? Because even in that sense, like in biology itself, like there's only certain like chromosomes and certain like genes and stuff that get passed from father to son. Like it would have had to have been like a specific gene that would have had to be passed on. And and how would how would the Borg have guaranteed that that gene gets passed? You know what I mean? So I would have much rather have them said that like, oh, um, Beverly and Jack had encountered board or something and some jack got infected with it or something you know like i much rather would have them do something like that as opposed to saying that picard passed on this like gene because that would have made more sense probably yeah um yeah because i mean oh i'm actually i'm actually gonna 
Well, I won't present a counter argument because I could have presented a, car, a counter argument about a month ago, but because uh, my uh, I had to rewatch a couple of episodes just to get my thoughts straight. But I'm actually gonna go in the opposite direction and say that I'm generally okay with their explanation of it. Uh, yes, there's some holes there that could definitely, uh, but I cannot uh, watch this. Like I have. I want to see this in a way, in the general, like when you look at a ge- show as a general, this is a plot hole that you could have explained differently, but it actually does do progress the show. It's just they kind of maybe skipped a step, and generally I'm okay with that. Like, so what you find I, out I, is I, the- I, I don't I don't want to get caught up on like how did this happen. Do not look at general picture of like this progressed the show. Yes, maybe it's questionable, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't ruin the show for me. It's just yeah. more of no, no, like, of course, yeah. implausible. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's just no, no, one of those yeah. things that in in what I thought was a perfect season, I, I was kind of mm-hmm. like, Ooh. I was like, yeah, give it. Yeah, it when everything else is borderline perfection, the stuff that yeah. isn't kind of jumps out is like, well, you kind of did everything else perfectly. Couldn't you do this better? I get it. Yeah. So at that point, uh, Vatic has captured Riker from Daystrom, right? And then you find well, out that yeah, Riker kind of sacrificed himself so they could get away with right. Nita. And I, I thought they killed him right there because I've been convinced this entire season that Frakes was going to die, right? Dude, I, was, I, was like, I was in the same boat. I was like, man, you got to kill somebody. Yeah, it's like, like he's getting this, this, this awesome where they are for Riker because yep. you know somebody has to die. <laughs> like he's getting this awesome performance this entire time, and then they shoot him, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" They just killed Riker. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, and and uh, so he ends up getting transported over to Vatic's ship, and Troy is there because Vatic sent some of her changelings to kidnap her, right? But like, and this is where yeah. I kind of hung. I hung up minorly for a minute. I was like, where's the daughter? What? Huh? Okay. Um, so, you know, I figure now she's just like hanging out in some undefined place with Alexander and Naomi Wildman, who are all completely ignored now. Um, well, no, they, they, they acknowledge Kestra. Um, but, but I, I don't think the Academy maybe, or they something? maybe just, they just couldn't get the actress back. Or maybe, yeah. you know, I mean, they didn't have because she's, I think their daughter is what, like in the in their teens, yeah, probably, yeah. Um, so then there's this whole thing with, uh, and then you find out like what the the marital shit between Troy and Riker was, where he he kind of he kind of pulls away from her because. She sort of just by the nature of her uh, betazoid powers and stuff, kind of wasn't letting him grieve the death of their son enough, and like he felt like she was kind of like getting into his head and like and like taking the feelings away from him and whatever, and he kind of resents that. Um, so then he they actually have a conversation about it, which was you know for as little as Troy is used in this show, like I thought where they chose to use her was very effective. Like that scene, 
the stuff with Jack where oh, they're yeah. trying to get into his head and figure out what was really going on there. Like where she's used is very well thought out. And, mm. you know, I love the stuff just because they acknowledged the attempt back in the day, even though it never really went anywhere. I love this. There were a couple scenes where like Worf was kind of hitting on her. Yep. And yeah. I thought that, yeah. I thought that stuff was hilarious. <laughs> it at least acknowledges like the, failed attempt on TNG to put them in a relationship and Riker's just like I don't think he ever says anything but he kind of has this tone of like I'm sitting right here and you're hitting yeah. on my wife he's like I can't believe I'm, I can't believe I have to listen to this <laughs> yeah yep so it was almost like uh, what what was that what was the thing what's what's the thing like like it's almost like somebody like read poetry and like they wanted to tell it to like their first love or something and and so like it's almost like Worf was waiting for like you know Worf was waiting for her to show up you know what I mean? He's like I've been saving this poem for thirty years. Mm. Oh my god! I finally got uh, to use it. Yep. So then there's this whole thing where um, Laura starts to take over the new data body, and there's this whole thing where like there's basically this multiple personality fight between them and like this mindscape kind of thing, which is a great fucking scene, you know? Um, and, and Laura is just very, you know, and he plays Laura the same way he always has just like very, very psychotic, very like driven by like a need for revenge for things, whether they're real or perceived. Um, and, you know, he's slowly trying to destroy Data's memories and stuff. And, like, I think they even show the hologram thing from Tasha Yar. So Denise Crosby does kind of show up here um, in a weird way. But, yeah. you know, considering that at the last con, she had literally said she was in the show somewhere. Uh, I think that was kind of uh, not that exactly. But, you know, maybe I don't well, know. Well, maybe they did it. have a record some never actually used it. We'll never That's know. possible. Yeah. Well, they could have done that. We'll probably know. But Maybe she looked... she's something at one of the cons yeah. or something. Yeah, she did say at one of the, the last con I went to that she was actually in it somewhere, and it caused a bunch of bullshit. And I actually, I actually mm-hmm. thought CBS was going to have her whacked. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, and honestly, the thing I thought was great was Data wins this battle with Lord kind of by letting him win. Uh, and then rather than being, so here's, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you just for a second. For me, there's two things that really stand out in this show where I was like, there's only one way this is, this should go. One is the scene in data's mind where kind of data and lore battle it out. And I was like, well, lore is, they set it up in a way where it's like lore is stronger. And if we actually let him fight it out, Lore is going to win. I was like, yeah, but you're definitely going to have a scene where kind of Data gives him the memories. And then kind of that way Lore does become Data, which ended up happening. And throughout the whole scene, I know, I like, I know exactly what is going on because like, this is exactly the way I would do it. And the more that scene plays out, more I'm like, yes, this is perfection. And then Lore is like, oh, I win. And then, like you hit, like his whole brain kind of goes red, and everybody's there. It's like, damn, data lost. Lord just won. Like we're screwed. 
and then everything kind of goes blue and data is like haha by giving you my memories you basically yeah, now you're no longer lore now you're data now you're me so like by letting as yeah, john said like by letting you win this is like i basically beat you because now yeah, you are no... me because there's no way you can take my memories and not actually become me and the second part and I, we're gonna come back to this one later is like the more they started bringing back the old tng crew more i was like there's only one way this show should have an ending there is no way they and they should end this show in any other way than other than they did yeah the way tng ended which is exactly and he's like yes those were like my two like there's many great moments in the whole season but those were kind of my two main ones i was like this is how i pictured it in my head as this is something that should happen and as it played out on screen i was like yes yeah, Corey can yeah, tell I you mean, the, 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 the lore in that scene is absolutely phenomenal to me. Just... Yeah, Corey can tell you there's a lot of me doing what you were doing during that 10 hours as we watched it week to week. Um, so, yep, so Data becomes this amalgamation of him and lore now, minus the psychopathy, I would bet. Um, so, like, now he's just kind of able to play Data like a guy instead of, like, you know, this, like, weird robot that doesn't use contractions and doesn't have emotions and stuff. Now he's just kind of data as a regular dude, uh, which I, I thought... I think they should have done yeah. that. I think they should have done the that contraction. a long time ago. Yeah. They yep. should have done I, that a long time ago when they gave him the emotion chip and everything like that. Like, you know, because then he kind of just stays being data, and I'm like, well, he yep. has the emotion chip. It's like, why mm-hmm. is he turning it on and off? Why is it not functioning? I'm like, just let him... You know, be like well, a mix of data, like war, essentially. We'll end up talking about that when we do those movies eventually. And I know we did Insurrection already, but um, I always thought that they gave him the emotion chip in Generations just to say they did something big there. And mm-hmm. then they instantly regretted doing it and then spent the next three movies trying to write around it. Because they said in Generations that it was. Uh, integrated into a system completely and he couldn't get rid of it but then in in uh in first contact he's able to turn it on and off which they said he'd never be able to do and then in insurrection he was actually able to remove it because he said at one point in insurrection when he freaks out at the beginning picard goes did the emotion chip cause it and Jordy says no he didn't have it he left it here um so I think they did that at that time because they wanted to say, hey, we're doing something big for a movie, and then they just wanted to spend the rest of the time with that character trying to get out of it. Um, But yeah, I mean, I thought Spiner again was another, and particularly once after all the stuff with lore happens, like because before that, he's very much the stuff he's doing is very limited, and playing the multiple personalities is difficult obviously, he does that well as well. But Spiner is another one of those actors that brought his A game to this fucking thing. Because once, yeah. once the yeah. integration, but once the integration between Data and Lore happens, like every at least for me, and Data was always my favorite character on TNG. At least for me, everything that came out of his mouth after the the Data Lore integration thing was fucking gold. And it was just like, oh, God, yeah. I. It, he was another one where I was like, why did he have to show up so late? Because this is fucking wonderful. Like, I want more of this. You know? Um, 
So then uh, they figure out that, and this is where I thought, and this whole thing gets kind of fan fiction to a point, but this is the moment where I thought it kind of lost me a little bit because it did get the, the, the big plot gets kind of like exceptionally fan fiction to me. Um, but you find out that the, those changelings that Vatic was leading this, uh, decided to strike up a partnership with the Borg, which I never believed the Borg would do in the first place, for one. Um, but what they decided to do is that, and this is where they're dependent on Picard's hypothetical kid having superpowers or whatever, is that they use the changelings to infiltrate the Federation to do something to Federation transporters so that anytime anybody... Was it under the age of twenty five? Yeah, goes through them. It gave those people Borg genetics and was able to make them like drones at at when a signal gets dropped, and that's what Jack was for. Like he was supposed to be the the thing that would broadcast the signal. Uh, basically, basically, it was what like what they did with Jack and Picard, but like for the rest of Starfleet. And I'm like, I guess the twenty five year old thing makes sense. Because, yeah. like, that's when like your body essentially stops developing. Um, yeah, but I don't really know. Oh, you know what? I never thought really about that. Way. I never thought about that way. Nice point. Because, like, oh, you're right. Pressure, I think, brings it up though. But um, yeah, I just kind of like, didn't. That. Yeah, but it's. Um, I mean, I get, I get that point. And when they explained it that way, I said, "Well, that makes sense." But. Um, but I don't think the whole like transport of giving you genetics type of thing actually makes sense though. Well, I mean, to me it kind of does because that wasn't the part that bugged me. It was when just you, like that's it just seemed kind of arbitrary. At, when you look at general transporter, how transporters work in Star Trek, before you materialize, they can actually take away any like illness and stuff. Like they can like they basically dissect you down to parts and they can remove stuff. Or add stuff. So it's like if you don't know you're adding stuff before they materialize, like you can easily change the DNA to like include one more thing that actually makes them susceptible to a signal the Borg are gonna send out. That part actually helps, makes perfect sense. If it helps, I can give you the exact episode where they establish this as a possibility. Uh, because basically, there's no other that. Uh, before you actually do that, there's no other way where you can infect that many people in any period of time where it wouldn't be recognizable because at some point somebody's going to have to transport somewhere and their biofilter is going to register, hey, this isn't supposed to be here. So the only yep. way you can actually do it is through transport this biofilter by making sure that it actually gets added on that way biofilters don't register it as being wrong. Yep. And I can, like I said, I can give you the exact TNG episode where they established this could have not this specifically, but that the uh, transporter is capable of rewriting genetics. Uh, TNG Season 2, Unnatural Selection, the one where Pulaski gets that old age virus. How do they um, reverse that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I just it Everything just around the transporter does actually make sense. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it makes sense in a way, but I don't know. It kind of seemed like a little bit of an easy out, and I feel like somebody would have caught on. Because then it would have been like, there's something wrong. Roe had some idea that something was wrong with the transporters, and that's why she didn't use them. Um, Yeah, but she didn't prove it. Wouldn't you have, like, wouldn't you have like pointed it out to somebody though? Like, or one day I, think have, like... I think she didn't know how high up it went, so she was afraid to do that until she had yeah, actual. So who who do you point it out to if you point it out to somebody who actually went through a transporter? Yeah, that's, that's true, I guess. Was... Yeah, I get you guys right. Yep, and we should point out too. We kind of blew over this one as far as the the cameo moments go. Um, at one point when they're on the run out of the nebula. Uh, Seven of Nine contacts Tuvok, and Tim Russ actually shows up here, which I thought was really cool. Um, and uh, wow. here's well, something uh, else that I here's something, else, here's something else that I read recently. I saw an interview with a uh, Robert Duncan McNeil at one point. It was in an article somewhere, and he had said they wanted uh, at one point during I think he said it was season one. He was approached to actually be on that full time. So I wonder if I wonder if he would have yeah, been Rio. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, if you had Paris on, like, he would definitely you wouldn't have Rios because yeah, he's basically Tom Paris. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like Rio. Which a I lot. think I think that would have made I think that would have made a lot more sense than all of the other stuff they tried doing. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think the problem was is that it doesn't really seem like him and uh, the guy who played Kyrie Kim really want to come back to play on Star Trek. I think it's just more of they just like talk. It sounds uh, like, I mean, I'm, not, I'm trying not to spoil anything, but it sounds like Harry's going to be on Prodigy next year. So yeah. I don't know if rule that out entirely, but uh, yeah, so you Anytime find out- we can get more Tom Paris, I'm all for it. I don't, and, I don't and really it, think they're going to see Tom Paris again. But, I mean, plate. we could be mistaken. Tom Paris and his plate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and we find out that this this version of Tuvok is actually a changeling. Because she, yep. she says something about uh, they have, they have that, he had that game on Voyager, that Vulcan game, Kalto, or whatever. Huh? And I think Seven says something about, well, you... You know, she makes some ju- some reference about like you know how many times did I beat you doing that, and then he gives some number and she cuts him off and and turns to Picard and she's like, "That's bullshit. I never beat him." <laughs> uh, also, also, um, he, she said something about like her um, thing, her implants getting taken yeah. out or her implants getting fixed, and he said something and she's like, "I never got my implants fixed there." Blah 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 blah. Real children would have known, or whatever. Right. So, and I was when he shows up and it's revealed to be the changeling. Right. I was just like, well, he bet you know. I get that they did that, but he better show up for real later, or <laughs> everybody's going to assume that they killed him off off camera. And it's like, no, that's well, many well, does. They 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 basically said that they didn't kill him; that they were using him for information. And then, and then the changeling turns into like a like a Riker who's like half dead. Yep. Oh, like zombie Riker. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. So you find out this whole thing is that you know they're trying to 
the Borg are basically just trying to overtake the Federation by making everybody drones, right? Or making a large number of the population drones. So, uh, you know, Jack goes to, you know, Troy goes into his head and you find out that this whole thing has been manipulated by the Borg. This is where you find out that the kid has Borg genetics and whatever. And he decides on his own, which was really fucking stupid, but uh, plays into what they've established with this character. He is kind of impulsive and Han Solo-y and stuff. So he decides to go on his own to where the Borg are because uh, he's hearing, you know, he's hearing the voices too. So he decides to go there on his own to confront them and whatever. So he goes there, and it's the actually the Borg Queen from First Contact, uh, yep. still alive. Well, uh, yeah, well, it's, it's it's somebody else as her body because unfortunately the actress is they um they use her voice. Um, yeah, it's fortunately. Yeah, um, yeah, but that's that's why they only show her from behind. Was she actually in the outfit in the last one? Because in the in the first one, it's voice only, and you never see her face. But in the in the finale, you do, and she's actually full yeah. credited in the finale. So I wonder if she was actually physically there. Um, well, she can't. Well, she couldn't physically be there because she's dead. No, she isn't. Yes, she is. She passed away. She was in things like two years ago. I think she's alive still. Oh, I think Alice. I think Alice pretty died. No, the other one died. The one from season two died. The Borg Queen in season two died. She just she just died of cancer. The one that got replaced by Drew. Alice oh, yeah, Krieg is pretty sure Alice oh, Krieg yeah, is still. Oh, okay. oh. Yeah, Annie Wershing yeah, Justin, died. Justin got his board. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> well, you know yeah, but there there have been so many of them. I can't really fault him though. Yeah, uh, I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Alice Krieg is still alive. Um, so, yeah, so there, as in as in Voyager, it was. Um, it was Susanna Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure Alice Krieg is still alive. Um, yeah, yeah, she is. I just looked it up. I was, uh, I was mistaken. That's okay. Uh, it happens. Yeah, it was Annie Worshing. She passed away. Annie Worshing died of cancer a couple, like, right before, a couple weeks before the first episode of this came out. Uh, yeah, the first she, um, yeah, the first she, I think she was in. Uh, I think she was in season two, wasn't she? Like, yeah, she was the queen in season two before Gerardi became Gerardi. the queen. Um, and the first episode of this was actually dedicated to her because it was the first one released after her death. Um, we will not so, mention Gerardi. Yep. So we shall not yeah, name. That was another thing. Before we get into the before we get into the the end end game here, that was another thing where like there was another moment where I was like, I get writing around or ignoring season two because that's what you want to do. But then like when you do things that like blatantly contradict it, then it sort of annoyed me because like at one point when they first figure out that that uh, that Jack was somewhat borgish. Crusher has the line of 
but nobody's heard from the Borg in 10 years. And I was just like, yeah, but wait a minute. They applied well, for fucking they applied for Federation membership like a month ago. Don't you think that would have made the news? Like really? Well well, I think I think Shaw does say something about on the Stargazer or something. But I I have a feeling that they're just trying to kind of like push it off as like, like a little incident and it wasn't like a real board or something. Yeah, I just it just sort of annoyed me of like how much more can like I get that season two was shit and everything, but like how much more can you give the finger to the the people that wrote those first two seasons and like oh yeah that basically just didn't even happen like I okay wish, yeah, I wish basically I wish I gave them more like, yeah <laughs> yeah that's true um so. <laughs> So they figure out that the best way to deal with the, you know, so the whole fleet is like attacking Earth and it's all being taken over by all the crew members who are 25 and under, who are all drones now. And Jordy's upset because his two kids are now drones, which, you know, understandable. Uh, am I the only one who noticed that they had LeVar ditch the contacts too? Like he was just not using or- anything? Yeah. yeah, he was just yeah, he was just LeVar. He was just himself. Yeah, which was great. Like like oh, I yeah. noticed it. I noticed it, but it's not like I went all comic book guy and was like, well actually he should have those contacts in and whatever. Like it was just I think a lot just, of people I think I think a lot of people hated the contacts, which I was yeah. like, I don't know. I didn't well, I, think, I think he preferred the, I think he preferred the contacts to wearing a spray painted banana clip over his face for seven yes. years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. he was literally blind with that thing on. Like he couldn't yep. see walking around. He always complained about wearing that thing, and how he couldn't really do much per se because he had that thing on his face. So a lot of his stuff had to be like standing still because yeah. he just couldn't see with it. Yep. No, he really has no like. If you go back and look at the original show, like he really has no action moments or whatever because he's literally he can't see oh, Jack's. Like, yeah, he yeah. has no he had no peripheral vision either, and so he said one time in a scene, I think he was with uh, Freaks, and like they like bumped into each other or something because he just couldn't see him standing there. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so, so basically, coincidentally, uh, LaForge can see more than Lavar. Yeah, <laughs> weird. Uh, so <laughs> they figure out that they they figure out that they need a. Uh, a non a ship that's not attached to this federation network now, right? Did, and yeah. I, actually thought, I actually thought that they were going to use one two. of the most amazing moments of the show, right? Quite but far. here was here was something that I thought was going to happen, right? And so before this, they have a shootout with the dr- with the drones on the Titan, and uh, everybody leaves except for. Raffi and Seven and Shaw gets killed, which infuriates me. Shaw yeah, you gets kind of, you, you kind of prepared for somebody to die, and you kind of know it's coming. Yeah. And you I kind did of not. Think he's gonna be one of the OG crew, and you're kind of physically prepared yourself. One of the OGs is gonna die, most likely Riker. And then it's yep. like that doesn't happen. Riker's still alive, and they had the opportunity to shoot him dead. It didn't. So it's like. Well, who's gonna die of the OG crew? And you're kind of trying to figure out when they're gonna die, and then they kill Shaw. And it's like, I know somebody was gonna die, but why Shaw? You yeah. didn't have to kill Shaw. 
you got you guys. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys remember how infuriated I was after that episode came out. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh even, my god. Even couple episodes before that, you were like, "I swear, if they kill Shaw, I'm gonna be pissed." <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I had I had no problem. I had no problem with them killing him off, mostly because I felt like it was um. It was like the completion of his art, essentially, in this show, because he went from being this guy who could care less about this whole mission, didn't want anything to do about it, and now he essentially like gave his life to save the Federation. You know what I mean? Because I mean that's that's what he was there for. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but he was I, there. I, I, and, like and it kind of. Yeah, but it also kind of goes into his whole thing. Like we were talking about him in the bar, talking about how he was the only one. That was able to be saved. One of the only ones that was able to be saved at Wolf Three Five Nine, and now this has kind of come full circle. Where like now his death means something. His death once meant something back then. Now his death means something because he was able to allow the OG crew and Seven of Nine and Rafi to really try to regain the ship and stop the burn. And he didn't die in vain. You know, and so that's that's what I liked about it. It didn't make sense at first because I'm like, you just you just you just like introduce this guy, like why is he dying? But then the more I thought about it and the more I watched it the second time, it made more sense to me. Hey, you know what? Yes, no, it does, you have, it does make sense. No, the whole explanation of it, whole explanation of it is great, but it's like it's still like it's like mm, like you kind of just got to love this guy, and he really was amazing. And then it's like, uh. yeah. I, I knew somebody was gonna die. I just didn't know it was gonna be him. But yeah, it the way you explain it is exactly is exactly how I saw it as well. It's like his yep. death now means something. Like he made a sacrifice, you know, willingly. Like you know, he, he wasn't bitching about it or anything. It's like, but he did it. It's like now, nah, guys. Like I did my part. Now you go finish this thing. And there's a whole there's a whole subplot about how like he won't as it goes on. He won't. And he gets less and less dicky as it goes on, or at least he his dickishness becomes tolerable to the audience. I mean, I found myself liking him as it went on, but like as it continues, the one thing he won't do is he still won't refer to Seven of Nine by her actual name. He still insists on calling her handsome, whatever. And in that moment where he's dying, he finally he finally calls her Seven of Nine. Uh, yeah. It's supposed to be this big, which I thought that worked, but I think where I was, where I where it infuriated me was, and Justin, you have a way of doing this on these shows. Like you just made an argument that has changed my viewpoint of that. Like I get it now. I get why they felt the need to do that. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm so influential. Yeah. But what infuriates me, and I guess if if they never do the legacy thing, then that's fine. It doesn't matter. But, like, Shaw, for me, is, like, the best B character you've created in this franchise in the last, like, ten years. You know you have... You know on paper, at least, whether it ever happens or not, you have this spinoff show possibly coming out of this where he could have been used and to not... And, and like... If you pay any attention to uh, Todd Stashwick on Twitter, he wants to be in that. Like, if they do that, he he's openly lobbying for like, yeah, if you do that, I gotta be, I gotta be in it. You know, like he wants to do more of this. So, like to me, it's like, why would you, you kill him? In and out. And well, yeah, and you you also have to keep in mind, which doesn't really like you don't really get to play his like. 
you get later on you, you get to see why he was actually being so hard in seven of nine. It wasn't yeah. because he was an asshole and a dick, but he was like, I know exactly what your plateau, what your ceiling is. And if me being a dick gets you there faster, like that's my life, then yep. I'm gonna be a dick to you. Like, he yep. purposely didn't use call it seven nine. Because he did want to like strike a fire, if you want to call it. I actually, have, I actually have a theory as to how he will come back, and we'll get there. We'll get there at the end when we do the little bit about legacy and stuff. Because we're almost at the end of this. Um, yeah. So then, um, so they need a non-network ship, and I actually thought there were going to be two because I thought the Titan was going to be completely wrecked, and Seven and Raffi were going to use Voyager. Because it was there. No, I, I actually knew. I, I had a feeling that if they were going to pull an old ship, it was going to be the Enterprise. I didn't know whether it would be D or... It's like it just made so much sense. I actually expected it to happen the first time they visited Jordy, that they were going to yep. jump on an Enterprise. And they didn't. Yep. And I was like, well, you have all these old ships. And it's like you didn't think to pull, you know... And then it was like, when they got to a point, it's like Jordy gets on, and they got on the Enterprise, and it's like yep. they're standing so on you the find, bridge again. It's just you find I'm out. Just, I'm just so glad. I'm just so glad it wasn't the because as slick as that ship looks, I guess I just didn't like it. It, it just seemed be, a little too. Yep. It seemed a little too like standoffish, and you have no real connection to it. I mean, the movie that it's in. I mean, the only movie that I actually like. With it in it is first contact. Um, other than that, like you got two movies, bitch and the nemesis yeah. anyway. I so what you find out is that Jordy, in his spare time, essentially has been rebuilding the D, and it's fully usable now. And basically, what he did is they they recovered the saucer off of the planet in generations. And he just attached the saucer to another drive section from another decommissioned ship or whatever, because the drive section exploded. So there's no way yep. to keep that. And when they and we were talking about the the moments on this show that that made me choke up when they first walked onto the D bridge and you saw it again, yeah. I I lost it. I really did. Yeah. yeah. And when Picard goes like, now I know what I missed most about this ship. Carpet. The carpet. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, but but that moment is just so it's like them standing on the bridge of the D again, and it's like, yes. Yeah, it, it brought me like, right back to it brought me right back to 1987. I was just like, oh yeah. my god, I can't believe they're oh, doing it this. It didn't bring it didn't bring me to 87, but it brought me to 94 when I was you first watching that show. Uh, I know I wasn't I wasn't around in 87, but um. <laughs> But yeah, no, I did. I did very much enjoy them coming onto the bridge. I mean, that is their home. That is their enterprise. Um, you know, it all goes back to the D. You know, and Picard showed them the big D when they went in there instead of blowing up them fucking Borg pieces of shit. But uh, yeah, um, you know, I and as a as a, a car guy adjacent, um, I did enjoy the fact that like Jordy like went in and like just kind of found like parts and pieces from other ships and just kind of wanted to rebuild it and restore it. 
Um, yeah. I thought that was really cool. And I like the fact that he's like the guy that's in charge of the museum and that he like, you know, recreated all these ships and was able to fix all these ships and stuff like that. Like that whole part of it was like really cool to me. So yeah, I really like the fact that he like, he's like, yep, it's even got this, 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 that. And then I was also, um, so I don't really watch like the ready room or anything like that with Will Wheaton. Um, oh, I have, but, so I felt like they were spoiling shit everywhere. So I yeah, but, but they on on uh, one of the YouTube videos, um, they have Will Wheaton in um on the bridge of the D, and they have um one of the guys that like originally had designed it, and they're like, yeah, this thing is like they even called us in to like make sure everything was right, and he's like, everything is right. I mean, this bend is right. You know, he's like you know this whole bend is correct you know all these buttons are correct you know like everything is like the same <laughs> and then even yeah, like will we sat down in the in the like in, at like comms and he was like yeah he's like i used to hit this button pull this over here and slide this over he's like everything looks the same yep and i remember you know i wasn't like outright bawling when they went in there but like i remember kind of tearing up a little bit and Corey was like what and I said, and I think this is the overall thing about this show that just made me love it. It's like, it's kind of the, and I'm probably assigning something a little too high-minded to this, but it's kind of the the Steve Jobs approach of it all. Like, I didn't know I wanted this until you gave it to me, you know? Yeah. And like this moment where they're all on the bridge again, I was like, oh my God. And then the they, of course, break it with a joke because Riker, Riker says to Worf, he's like, well, it's too bad we couldn't have used the E for this. And Warp just goes, that was not my fault. That was not my fault. I think he said the F. No, he said the E. Because the F was the one that Shelby had. Yeah. No, 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 that's the Enterprise G, isn't it? No, the, no, we'll get to that. The oh. the F was the one that Shelby had when she shows up. The, Riker says to Worf, "It's too bad we couldn't have used the E." And then he goes, "I didn't do that," which to me proves in canon the thing that they had said in one of the because they did a bunch of uh, of tie-in novels to this show over the two or three years, where the first one was basically showed the Picard doing all the Romulan evacuation shit. And he basically makes Worf the captain of the E when he leaves. So, to me, that shows that in canon that actually happened, even though they didn't get into it all that much. Because I would bet he was oh, in charge at the time. Worf. Yeah, and then Michael he Dorf did something to do that fucking show. He did something that blew it up, I would guess. Yeah. So, th- um, so there's a whole thing like they go, and so Jack gets full on turned into a Borg. It looked like he was still kind of. It almost looked like he was rocking the same Lacutus outfit. Really, uh, they gave him the Borg name of Vox, which I thought was kind of cool. It was a neat little, you know. Um, and so then they do this whole thing where you know they blow up the Borg. Uh, Picard actually goes in and they have a goes in and jacks himself in again. Although I don't know how that would work now that he's a robot. Um, but okay, and so he has a whole. Well, they bring up the still, that he still has some stuff in his memory that it's, you know, something in the back of his brain that was still, like, connected to the board. Yeah. For whatever reason. Okay. Um, so they have a whole conversation in there 
about, you know, because he's all, at one point, like, Jack's all for all the Borg shit, because he's always been talking about how he has always been sort of searching for order and stuff in the universe, and he kind of buys into what the Borg are selling in the sense of, like, hey, at least this is, you know, it's not ideal, but at least this is some form of order that we can use. And Picard is like, hey, I, I, I don't remember exactly what the dialogue was, but it was very good. Um, I remember really, really appreciating it at the time, but it's also been, as you said, Mila, it's been about a month since this ended. Um, but he basically convinces Jack that, hey, you have, you know, because the whole thing is I think Jack feels alone because he he knows he's different for everybody around him, but he can't really figure out why. And I think the whole thing that Picard tries to convince him of is, hey, you're not alone anymore, and you have you have people who will back you up now. Um, so that gets him to realize that Picard is right and the Borg are not great, and they blow up the whole thing. I love when uh, Data was piloting the D through the, the Borg cube on, like, gut instinct, and they're all like, wait, since when does he have a gut? This is bad. Oh no! <laughs> and, then, and then when and then when Beverly is in charge of the weapons and she just sends Beverly the shit out of everything, and she goes and she's watching everything. Oh my god, so good. Um, yeah, right, I so gotta then, not, to, not to interrupt, but I gotta get. Okay, the story go. on this is is that you know uh, to kind of wrap it up because we're kind of near the end of the season anyway. I love mm-hmm. them getting together at the end. I love the fact that, I mean, we'll talk about it, but when, when they come up to the thing and he goes, names don't matter, and he goes, names always matter, and it's the Enterprise, but it's like, you know, that that one kind of got me a little bit too, just like it kind of got Picard, and, you know, I, I love the fact that, you know, this may be continuing, probably not continuing, but I like the idea that, you know, it kind of teases that, you know, Seven of Nine is now the captain of a ship, uh, Rafi is back in Starfleet. Um, you have uh, Jack in Starfleet now. Um, you know, the thing with Q, uh, I'm just going to kind of go a little bit onto what I was trying to say with Boris, but I think my mic keeps coming out because i got to get new headphones. Um, Q is not linear, so Q could have died. He did die in the last season. Then now this could be a Q from before that, and he came and he reappeared. So for, for Q, time is not linear. Time is, is, is That's like a circle. Time is whatever. So he can come, he can go, he can whatever. You know what I mean? Maybe he would have really He's wibbly wobbly. That's true. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really, really think about that. Yet again, you shocked me. Well done. Um, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, yeah, so that's my thing. I wish they would do Star Trek Legacy. I don't think they're going to do it. Kurtzman has a strength hold on this series. And I, uh, I bid you guys adieu. I will say, and Milos and I will close out the show by talking about that a little bit, but yeah. I think they're fucking stupid if they don't do it. They I'll say that. Stupid, but they're not going to do it. So. All right. Later, guys. This was Later. fantastic. I love this show. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was the greatest. <laughs> Later, man. All right. And then so, there were two. Yeah, but we're pretty much done with it anyway. Final thoughts at yeah. this point. So... Yep, so they blow up the Borg, they stop the whole drone invasion thing, and uh, yeah, uh, as Justin said, like, they, you know, they take the D back to the museum, and some amount of time passes, I think it's like a year or something. Mm-hmm. And, 
you find out that uh, Beverly went back to be in charge of Starfleet Medical again, uh, which basically was how they wrote her off for season two when Pulaski came in. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Riker and Troy decide they don't want to live on fucking Pizza Planet anymore. They're going to go live on like a real planet. I forget what the planet's name was called. I just started Actual calling people. Yeah, I just started calling it Pizza Planet because he was obsessed with making pizza. Um, yeah. But yeah, they decide they want to go live with actual people. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff at the end between like Worf and Raffi where like Raffi's kind of earned his respect by the end. Yeah. yeah. I, as much as I want the legacy thing, and we'll, we'll, we're getting there real soon. Um, as much as I want the legacy thing, and I, you know, I also think they would be dumb if they either do legacy or this is his own show, like how they don't do a, a, a black ops thing with him and Raffi is just, well, I guess now you can't with the way, the way this ends, she would be in a different position, but, um, yeah, if but he, the fact they really played well off of each other, like two of them together until you actually got him on screen as long, because two of them together had a lot of screen time together. It's oh, they like did. He really, they really played well off of each other. And it's like, I don't yeah. know whether that all came natural, where it was just the fact that Worf really wanted to get back and do some Star Trek. But it's like yep. they were fantastic on screen together. And we didn't talk about the specifics of a lot of the early stuff with him and Raffi because it was so far, you know, we're so far removed from when this actually ended. And that was all in the first month of the show that like, I know there were a lot of great scenes between them doing the spy stuff, but I honestly don't remember what a lot of those things were. So like, that's kind of why we didn't talk about it that much. Um, but you know, so the, the, you know, data is like doing psychotherapy with Troy trying to figure out, cause now he's kind of like, just kind of like a regular human and he's old and he has to deal with the idea of old age, which he never has before. Um, that, that uh that counseling session where she's been listening to him go on for like two hours while she's like planning a vacation in the background was quite funny to me um and then like i think jordy just goes back to the museum with his with his daughter um and all that and uh you find out so a, an amount of time passes and you, you see they go he and Riker and and jack and crusher go to uh, I think it was like Earth again, and uh, you find out that Jack's been in like some accelerated Starfleet Academy program, and he has a posting now. And Milos, okay, there we go. So uh, yeah, I don't know whether that was me or you. Oh, that's okay. I didn't touch anything. It happens. Probably we're probably straining this thing given how long we've been going for. Dude, um, it's almost four hours. So yeah. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think yeah. so. <laughs> so Jack has a posting in Starfleet now, and you find out that um, Starfleet took the Titan and repaired it and rechristened yeah. it the Enterprise G. Yeah. So Seven of Nine is now a captain of the Enterprise, and and uh, I want to bring out the. I think she goes back and she gets uh, where we get the Shaw message. I don't know whether you brought that up or not, but it's you kind of you kind of hit that, that already. So. I, Gonna bring yeah, like again. for me, like that was the whole. Cause I think she shows up in front of Tuvok. He's the one that doing that's doing her uh, evaluation, and she's like, "This is the message that Shaw sent out." 
before everything kind of went south. And he's yep. like, I recommend, and like, because she goes there thinking she's going to get fired because she broke way too many rules in this whole endeavor. And it's like completely opposite. And Shaw was like, I kind of recommend that she be uh, promoted to captain. She yep. would be absolutely fantastic doing that. Yep. Uh, Goosebumps, man. Yeah. One of my she's favorite gonna, parts of the. He's going to be the captain of the Enterprise. Raffi is her first officer. And uh, Jack is given, like, a special consultant to the captain role. Uh, so Jack is basically Neelix, minus yeah. the bet. Um, yeah. So, and here's where I think they could bring Shaw back, right? And apparently Terry Mattel has mm-hmm. already had to do this. Okay, he has said that he has, if they do Legacy, whether Shaw would be on it on a regular basis or not, he does have a way to bring this character back. Um, I okay. would like... They never... As much as they gave you some of the Titan crew, like I, I think uh, Jordy's daughter would be there, some of the other characters that were got some major screen time from the Titan who we kind of blew over because I don't remember any of their names. Uh, yep. Up again. They never showed us a chief engineer, so I would wonder if there's a way you mm. could bring Shaw back as a hologram and make him the chief engineer. Uh, yeah, because they already did establish that he was an engineer, so that would yep. make sense. Yep. So Interesting. the last bit, the last bit that killed me on this show was it ends with. They basically redo the poker scene from all good things. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that just... was my that I, I I mean I I brought it up before, but as this show was going like as they brought in more and more characters back, only conceivable way for them to end the show was with a poker night. Yep. And when I can't great. remember who pulled out who pulled out the deck of cards, but when they're sitting there. It's like Picard went behind and the, I was, the I think Picard went behind the bar and had yeah, a deck of cards. They were at the Guinan's bar and they pull out a deck of cards and he's like, Poker night? And I was like, that just killed me, man. Like that was like perfection. Like that okay, was so the I, only conceivable way for me to end this show. Oh yeah. And it was great. I and I will watch it again, probably when the Blu-ray comes out in a couple of months, I will watch it again. Um, oh yeah. And binge yeah. the whole thing just because it's that yeah. It was a home run for me, and it needed it needed to be after what the first two seasons were. It needed to be that. Um, this was this was the only season of Picard that we actually ever got. This is what I would have wanted it to be. Oh yeah, and the the big thing that I didn't talk about right away was you know, and I should have mentioned it right away, but we were trying to get into the, the plot's pretty heavy. That was probably the longest plot run we've ever done. Um, and I think the big thing was. You know, the first two seasons of the show, it's all focused on Picard, obviously, but the first two seasons of the show, there's a lot of moping, a lot of self-loathing mm-hmm. about where where he is in life and whatever. And the minute this one starts, that's all gone. It's oh, all yeah. gone. And he's actually he's actually playing Picard again. And I was like, oh. And like, I knew within, especially by the time he gets to that first scene with Riker at the bar, I was just you by the time was then, like, I knew this is on. I, I knew this was this was going to be amazing from that point because like they took all the the bad decision making I didn't like with what they were doing with that character and just threw it out. 
you know. Yeah, they took yeah. all the bads and negatives and everything that didn't work the first two seasons, and they were like, "We're not even touching this." Yep, we're and I would argue you know, if you're if you're somebody who tried season one and season two or or season two and didn't like them, and when they announced this, were like, "I don't care," because I'm sure there's a percentage of people that did that. So I actually, I actually have a friend, and we were talking about TV shows that we were watching, and this was like probably halfway to Picard, and she was like, "Dude, I grew up on Star Trek. Like, I was like, I just couldn't like. I tried to get into the Picard. Like, and she watched like first episode of season one, and she was like, I just couldn't do it. And I was like, Hey, here's the good part: you can watch season three of Picard without ever touching season one and two. And if you ask me, don't even watch season one and two, but season three." Definitely worth the watch. Yep, and here's and where I think watch them without actually having any knowledge of the first two seasons because they theoretically don't even matter. So yep, and here's where I think we can close out with the discussion of the legacy show that has been talked about by everyone and their mother uh, <laughs> leading to this. Um, and this is obviously something that I believe either. Terry Metellus has in his back pocket or if he has actually uh, pitched this to Paramount or not, I don't know. It sounds like from everything I've seen and like interviews he's given, I don't think it's gotten past the pitch stage um, because the one the one argument he's you know, I, I read an interview where he was asked, you know, because I think a lot of people assume that they were going to announce that, that was happening immediately after this show ends. Yeah. Right. And Especially because I, of the kind of reception that it actually yeah, got. Absolutely. Um, and I saw an interview with him where he said, yeah, we haven't done that yet. Uh, this would have to be, and this is the phrase that made my butthole clench. And I kind of went, they're never doing this. Because the second, <laughs> the second he said, this show has to be financially justified to Paramount. The cost of a third live action show has to be justified to them financially before we do anything. And I was just like, well, all Paramount's try been trying to do the last year or two is cut costs everywhere they can. So there's no way in hell they're going to do this. And like, at a certain point, how long are you going to, even if, even if you are, but like, it seems to me they only want to have a certain number of live action shows on the air at a time. And uh, with this Academy thing that's coming out, like, are they going to want a, are they going to want a, yeah. Kill, kill off, kill off Academy because there's no way Academy is as good as legacy would have been or will be. Right. And I don't think anybody kill cares. Off, kill off Academy and you're killing and you're shutting down discovery as it is. But you only have right. strange new worlds and legacy to worry about, and that's something that, like, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely doing well, that. They've had three live action shows at a time anyway, and if like Discovery's going to go away, even if you do Academy, and then you have this, right, like, man, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to do this. Thought I'm gonna, I was gonna have a couple of more minutes, but I actually need to go and run and do something. Okay, we're good. Uh, we're done. It. Well, this went... we, yeah, I know we can kind of go on legacy part like a bit longer, yeah. but I really have to bounce. Oh, no, that's I mean, fine. Just, yeah. We gave this like, four hours. We're fine. Um, <laughs> all right. So, yeah. Uh, I'm we, leaving we, here. Final thought. Best thing that happened to Star Trek since 2009 movie and most enjoyable Trek thing I watched and since uh, Stranger Worlds season one. 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We will. Uh, we will. It was a pleasure. I actually yep. enjoyed doing this for four hours. Uh, yeah. But I have to bounce now. You can sign us off. Yep. And, uh, we will we'll talk later. Uh, we'll return to semi-regular reviews uh, with Stranger World season two beginning June fifteenth. So expect us to come back probably the weekend after that for the season two premiere. And thank you, everyone. Okay.